Hey, everybody. Welcome to the post-game overreaction show. I'm your host, Roddy DeBulsey. I'm joined by Ben Bachman and Blaine Gilmer. Uh, Blaine's actually at the stadium, so he can give us his thoughts and uh, uh, observations. Uh, big, big win for Georgia. Yet another ranked team, another test, another ass-kicking by the Georgia Bulldogs, which didn't feel like it was a dominant. The score looks good, but, you know, there are times I'm like, this Kentucky team has Georgia's number, maybe not for an upset, but they seem to know what they were doing, especially that first half. It was a very tight first half, and uh, the second half was sheer sheer domination. So a tight game in the first half, blow them away in the second half, but a lot of people predicted what happened. But if going into that halftime, I know a lot of Georgia fans didn't feel too good. Uh, I appreciate you guys jumping on with me. We'll have other guys throughout the, um, throughout the broadcast. Uh, but, folks, you've got to get your questions. Drop them into the comments section there. I uh, see Arthur Rose with us, Brian Adams, uh, Tux Berlin, uh, Mari Carmichael, Scott Brown. Thanks, everybody, for jumping in. I uh, really appreciate it. Uh, it means a lot to us. Please uh, share this with your friends. It would mean, it would mean even more. Uh, I'm going to ask these guys a couple questions, and I'm going to go out there and actually share this myself, put it on uh, YouTube and Facebook and stuff like that. And I'm going to add the link to the show so you can jump into it as well. We want you to join it. Show us your uh, – Bulldog room. Show us your tailgate if you're still at the stadium. Uh, show us your pretty face. Jump jump on the damn show. Come on. This is a post-game overreact show. we got to overreact. And to start off, we're going to start with Blaine. Blaine, you were there at the game. Give us your thoughts on this game. I mean, I just think you see a Mark Stoops team that's a very well-coached team. I mean, you know, and that's something that Georgia needed to go up against because not only has Georgia not faced, I don't feel, talent that's really as equal as them, they really have outcoached all these other teams they've played. And I thought that there was a little bit of a chess game going on, you know, the way they used Wondell Robinson, the way they got the ball out in the perimeter quick, um, you know, and, and they're, they're a tough uh, running football team offensive line. I mean, I know they didn't do a ton with that, but the way that they moved. Oh, lost there. It was interesting. So uh, Georgia, Georgia got a little bit of a repeat, test. Repeat there. your last point there because you, you, you kind of ducked out for a minute. I couldn't hear you. you broke. Oh up. yeah, I was just gonna say the way that they got Georgia going side to side, you know, and and, and really were getting rid of the ball quick. They knew they didn't ha- need Will Levis holding on to the ball very long, and you know, George it kind of neutralized Georgia's pass rush a little bit. So I thought that was a uh, good coaching by Kentucky. But you see, overall, the team speed of Georgia wins out, and Georgia's able to. Uh, have more depth and, and sustain and, and win this game comfortably. Uh, ben, your thoughts, because uh, he, I agree with uh, Blaine there. It's good game plan. You know, got Georgia out of his comfort zone for a while, but then the second half is like, and I don't want to read too much of the second half or right. halftime adjustments, but it seemed like a completely different second half. You're not just going to run over Georgia and you're not going to – I understand some people say you have to take shots on Georgia. Kentucky, outside of Wondell Robinson, doesn't have the pieces to take shots on Georgia. So they had to do a bunch of screens and they had to do a bunch of misdirections. They had to do a bunch of gadget plays to be able to get Georgia, you know, be a step slower in some of these plays to be able to get like the seven, eight-yard plays. So I think that outside of the one drive, their first Kentucky scoring drive, I thought Georgia's defense played great. The last scoring drive, I mean, Georgia's saying we're up by three touchdowns with 11 minutes or more than three touchdowns with uh, 11 minutes left. You're just going to use that the entire clock. The rest of the game, we'll take that. Like, I, I, I think Georgia was like, okay, you want four yards, you just want to run out the entire fourth quarter, do that. Because Georgia doesn't need style points. I think there's this narrative out there that Georgia needs style points. They need to throw for 400 yards. They need to throw – 
Kirby just wants to win. That, that that that's what he wants to do. He doesn't he doesn't care if he wins by forty or wins by ten. He just wants to win. And I thought Georgia, especially, I think that their offense and their efficiency was there. The explosive plays, ten plays of twenty yards today for twenty or more yards for Georgia. That's the most explosiveness I've seen out of Georgia's offense, both especially in the run game. They had multiple big runs, which we haven't been used to all year. So I think all around it was a good game uh, from the Georgia Bulldogs. I agree 100. Uh, percent Blaine, looking back at this game, that first half is a little tight. Second half is good, but I want to go back to that kind of tenseness that you had going into the second half. Georgia gets the ball back, and then they put together a masterful drive. Masterful drive, seven of seven from uh, Stetson Bennett. Three shots to the tight ends, baby. Three shots to the tight ends. One of them was called back. Should have been a touchdown, but uh, you had uh, Justin Schaefer. Mug a guy, wait, you know, 30 yards downfield. So instead of a 59-yard score, you get a 25-yard gain. But then they go right back to him again. Take this throw and catch. Uh, what was the stadium like? And give me your thoughts on that uh, second-half drive, to, to, that drive to open the second half. Well, I mean, the, the stadium was, was rocking. They got excited. But as an intelligent crowd, they're going to try to be as, uh, you know, quiet as they can when Georgia's doing their communication. So it would die down, and then all of a sudden something good would happen. It'd get back – get back rocking but really the most interesting time in terms of the crowd the entire game was right there at the end when kentucky took the time out <laughs> right there at the end the fans were not oh what pleased. a bullshit time out yeah they were not <laughs> pleased and georgia fans let them know it and uh there was even uh a prominent figure that I'll rename, I'll leave nameless on the Georgia sideline that gave the old middle finger salute to the other, uh, <laughs> other side. No, 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 no. We don't, we, no, you don't get to say that who that is. I mean, you don't Wait. get to hold that. Right, right. I, 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 have, I have a quick question. Was the spread 23? My body might go missing or something. You know, this is a powerful dude over here. So, <laughs> so. Dude, you, you have journalistic protection, baby. We got you. <laughs> Now, uh, ben, ben, the last spread I saw was 21 and a half. Because I was going to say, if he didn't call the timeout, Georgia would have covered. So I think a lot of people just in general are probably pissed no. and lost a lot of that, money off of that. I mean, some people probably did gain some. No I think doubt. some people. So I, I think that's why a lot of people are pissed right now. Because well, I have some buddies who bet on Georgia and are That's going to be on uh, SVP and Stanford Steve's bad beats tonight on ESPN for sure. That's that's going to be on that. Right that's there, a lot. Really. <laughs> that's absolutely. Because, I mean, what – Touchdown can you score that's worth 25 points, 28 points? You're, yeah. You got your ass kicked. Take, you know, just and here's they had some decorum. They would have taken the, they would just let the clock run out. But. Let the clock run out. Don't call a timeout. Yeah, you scored. And so you made it uh, 30 to 7, 30 to 13 instead of 30 to 7. You, you still got your head kicked in. Just take the beating. Don't get anybody injured. That's my thing. I, I made a prediction going into this game. You guys read my uh, 3 2 1 uh, column. And one of my observations was you get Darnell Washington back. And we saw last week against Auburn, they were doing that 13 personnel, the three big guys, three big tight ends. And I thought you saw how effective that was against attacking Auburn. But I also thought you're going to get back Jermaine Burton and Marcus Roseby, Jack Saint. Ben, did either one of those guys get in? The announcers, which I don't like the crap on the announcers, but man, they were bad. They, they I mean, they had, they said Jermaine Burton was out there and it was Ladd McConkey. Um, so, I don't. I don't remember seeing Jermaine Burton. I don't think he got a catch or a target. Neither did Rose and me. I think they were definitely available because they were suited it up. Wasn't, it wasn't significant amount if they were in there at all. Right. So my point was, I was expecting this game offensively to have those guys in there because they were they were clear they were ready to go this week. They actually got a lot a lot of playing time in practice. 
So I thought those guys are going to come out there and just uh, you, you'd have your you – and know, you can't have them all on the field, but the idea is you could hammer and tongue them. we got these running backs who are going to run it on you. Then we got 13 personnel. Then we got Jermaine Burden, who we know is a, a stellar guy. Then you got the Marcus Roseby, Jack Saint. Oh, by the way, Lad McConkey's over here. In other words, I just thought this huge had this huge firepower and you, I mean, still scored 30 points. But then at the end, you have a coach like, okay, we're it's seven to 30. We're going to try to score one more time. And it is going to piss off a lot of the gamblers because they took Georgia and the point. You know, they, they laid, laid the points and said, look, we think Georgia's going to win by more than 21. And you don't. And so it's, uh, it, it felt like uh, it's the same. It made it worse is the same thing as Auburn last week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, uh, one thing, one thing. I mean, that's definitely true with the the betting side of it and things like that. But one thing, I'll before I jump off here, I want to let y'all know. You know, just seeing Kirby on the sideline. This was the first time you see Kirby on the sideline just chewing some guys where they he thought that they didn't do things up to the best of their ability. Uh, I mean, really sloppy. getting after guys for the first time this year. So I think. Kirby, best of both worlds, wins a, wins a big game at home, does it comfortably, but has plenty to teach off of and uh, get after guys and motivate going into the bye week and Florida week and uh, get healthy. And, you know, that'll be uh, that'll be interesting to see where this Georgia team is two weeks from now. Hey, before you leave, though, I do want to get yourself – tell us about the recruits over there. Uh, well, the interesting thing was, you know, Shamar James, uh, Florida linebacker uh, commit, was there. Uh, he's been there, he's been here a couple times now. So that was uh, interesting. Um, you know, getting to see uh, Marvin Marvin Jones Jr. be here, big defensive end out of American Heritage uh, down there. So some guys that Georgia, you know, hasn't been all in on, but now are starting to creep into the picture. And we've we've said all along that's going to happen here uh, as. The success builds up for Georgia. Remember, not one game uh, wins a recruit over, but trends win recruits over. And uh, I think uh, seeing the success that Georgia's building up week after week, it's just making people take a second look. And, you know, uh, Shamar James, who's here and sees Georgia's defense dominate again and Florida's defense get absolutely shredded by a very bad LSU team, you know, does that stick in his head? You know, so we'll see see what happens with that kind of stuff. But, of course, uh Luther Burden here on his official visit, Michael Williams on his official visit, and during the game, uh, Alu Ba decommitted from Florida State. So what? Uh, yeah. So uh, yeah. So we'll see. Uh, we'll see what ends up happening there. We all think that he'll, he'll he's short, soon to be a Georgia Bulldog. So hmm, that, that's a surprise. Yeah. If you yeah. if you've been if you've been on the vault, you know that's coming. But uh, they're gonna run me off here so <laughs> i'm wow, no 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 hey look you nope. still what got like 20 minutes yet, Ronnie? wow man the, the, the sprinklers aren't even on yet what are you worried about i gotta, gotta start moving over here but look you don't you're not even in sprinkler time wait, wait, wait. You still got two Roddy, the only way they, they'd spray hoses in stanford stadium is if it was at an auburn fan yeah <laughs> But no, but it's not the hoses. It's, uh, yeah, I got DJ Shockley leaving over behind my shoulder here. Yeah, run say hi to DJ for us. But all right, uh, Blaine, we know you got to get back. Uh, hey, that, that gear you have, why don't you just keep it instead of swinging okay. back by my house? Go ahead and get back okay. to uh, your house. Uh, I appreciate yeah, I you. Go pick up the kiddos now. <laughs> we'll see y'all. Yeah, and uh, our best of Stetson while you're at it. Also, oh, thank you. Thank you. See you guys. See you, man. Also, Roddy, I do have breaking news. There was a punt in the in the Tennessee Ole Miss game that is breaking. There is actually a punt. Oh, yeah. 
Okay, I need to find that. I've got my I've got the Alabama game here. Alabama's up fourteen to three on Mississippi State you know, after a recent pick six. It's and, uh, SEC Network. Okay, that's what I need to. Uh, I was watching the NC State Boston College uh, two mules fighting over a turnip. Nobody gives a damn. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's, it, nobody cares. The ACC um, is the elite conference this year. I don't know what you're talking about, Roddy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Pitt, Pitt and Wake Forest are going to have a little. Uh, a little pit fight right there. No, 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 the pit's pretty good. Don't get me wrong, but I, I like their quarterback. I mean, Pickett. Yeah. Pickett can play. I'm just a little curious as to, uh, uh, yeah, Ole Miss at Tennessee. That's what I need to see. That's that game. Everyone's betting the over. It's the highest over so far this year. It's like 85. Why the hell would you bet the over? I don't care who it is. I, I, Do you I, like either of those defenses? No, I don't. But I still don't like 45 points a team. Because here's the thing: when you do something like that, you insult both defenses. The defenses get mad, and then they come. They uh, they show up to play, and they take you off. So. Ole, Ole Miss has allowed an average of like 49 points over the last two weeks. Even though I will say I like Alabama and Arkansas more offensively than Tennessee. I know people are hyping up Tennessee, but they put up on Missouri, who's terrible. Um, Missouri is really bad. Um, I thought that was going to be a team this year who might be able to give Georgia a little bit of trouble for a quarter. So I don't think they will. And then um, I think South Carolina, who barely beat Vandy today. They needed to bring in the backup quarterback on fourth down to beat Vandy. So, Yeah, I, I, this, this Tennessee team, though, makes me nervous scoring that many. I just – I should say make me nervous because I think Georgia beat them, but, you know, handily. But I don't even want to see them out there. Do they scare you more than Rico McGraw. Thank you, Chuck Ward. Sorry. Uh, during the uh, watch-along – I mean, the watch-along show was doing with Coach Donna at the very end – uh, Georgia blocks the, the PAT, Devontae Wyatt's up there, and, you know, he gets a penalty. And I was trying to remember what dumbass ran onto the field uh, to celebrate a um, uh, a Georgia something that allowed Tennessee to get the ball. Then you have the giant throw to the end zone, and Tennessee wins the game because you had some dumbass run onto the field. Rico McGraw was the guy. Tennessee, Wait, that, Ryan, Mary, I do have a question for you, though. Yeah. Who would you be more scared of if you were a Georgia fan, Florida or Tennessee? Oh, Florida. You still Flo- – I don't Absolutely. know what to think of Florida. I, I nobody does, but I, I don't like uh, uh, Anthony Richards. I, I agree, but here's the weird thing about Florida. One week they're an offensive team, one week they're a defensive team, and you just never know. And then their yeah. losses are always close. It, it, it's a bizarre team. Like, even though Florida well, lost today, I don't know what that. to think of them. Ben, it's not even that. It's Georgia playing in Jacksonville. Okay, you got to understand. I and I, I'm going to be tainted by this because I started covering. I came to Georgia in 1990. Yeah. When do all the Florida fans think Georgia football or Florida football was created? 1990. They ignore everything that happened prior to that. So every time you talk to them, well, well since 1990 we whooped your butt 27 times. You know, whatever it is, it's always they start in 1990. That's the year I started school. We started going to the Georgia Florida game by '93. I was covering the game, and so '93 on, how many times did we drive all the way down to uh, Jacksonville? And then you have to avoid Sports Center. You have to avoid the call-in shows on Sunday on your drive back because Georgia's gotten their heads. Uh, they've lost, and so I'm. But and I've seen Georgia take better teams in that stadium and still lose. You know, I've seen them win a few with the worst teams, but it's just they get in there and they're doing everything great, and then they come out uh, and they don't win. But uh, hey, they're number one now, and they're going to come out with a um, uh, Florida wants to go in there and play spoiler. I don't think ten. I mean, Tennessee's offensive, but I'm not worried so much about their defense. I think you'll cut them apart. 
there was a comment uh, just put on the screen. The, the biggest thing coming out today was Georgia leaving healthy. Yeah, because yeah. that was one thing you you sort of brought it up. You know the game that actually ruined Georgia's season last year. People would say Alabama, Florida. To me, it was Kentucky because Kentucky was the game that you had everybody get hurt. Richard LeCount yeah. wasn't in the game, but later that night, Jordan Davis. Jordan Davis. Yeah. George Pickens was already out. Yeah. JT Daniels couldn't play. I mean, those two, but every other guy, I think. And then you lost Lewis Seen on the targeting call right off the bat. You were down so many guys. You're right. But Kentucky yeah. was the game when you started to get beat up, and you didn't have yeah. Jordan Davis or Richard LeCount and a few other guys. Julian Rochester tore his ACL. He was having a good season up until that point. Yeah. So that kind of ruined Georgia's chances against Florida, even though I think that the main reason why they lost to Florida was the quarterback play. Um, but overall, being that beat up, they had Jordan Davis – might have stopped him a couple more drives. He's that big of an impact. So no, that Kentucky thing, yeah. in this year, you're healthy after playing that team. The one thing about Kentucky, I'll say, is their O-line, especially Kennard, the right tackle, they have a good O-line. I'll give them that. Uh, wasn't good run blocking today, but pass blocking. I thought they held up pretty well. Oh, you're right. And, uh, hey, uh, give the Levis uh, all the credit in the world for escaping a few times. Pocket collapsed in on him. He came shooting out of there like like a duck out from under your car. I was, I was impressed. The guy uh, – he had some escapability, if that's a word. Physicality mm -hmm. is not a word, but escapability is. So he got through there pretty good. So I was impressed with what he did. Um, Jimmy Munsey says the game was awesome. Stephen Williams, Stephen Williams says UGA is going to win the Natty. Uh, Brett Weimer says FU looked bad. Right. Um, Sacred Grove says I think we beat both easily, but Tennessee has, is running a better offense than Florida. True, but again, a you saw a, a what a running quarterback can do. And Florida has two of them. And you just look at how Georgia plays down there sometimes. But I was, I didn't want to speak it into existence. But I had this little niggling, uh, nervous part of me was like, Georgia's ranked number one. And we've seen other teams get ranked number one for the first time in forever. In Georgia's case, decades. They lose it the next mm -hmm. week. You know, they just fold under the pressure. And then Georgia goes out there and starts making stupid mistakes. Mm -hmm. just missed tackles. When's this team missed tackles before, Ben? Yeah, today they missed him left and right. They, they missed a few today. I, I still yeah. thought, like, Keely Ringo actually played smart. They were talking about how he was targeting the opposite side because he knew that there were people that uh, – defenders around him that were going to be able to make the tackle if Robinson or whoever the guy was on the outside on the receiver screen was going to come inside. I thought Ringo did good. I thought Dean did good. But some of the other tackles, you, you missed them. And I yeah. thought the one confusing thing was – the uh, pass interference when they scored the one time on Quay Walker, people were like, that's a good pass interference. No, it wasn't because he was stride for stride with him. He could have made a play on the ball, forced hand completion. I thought some of those plays were – I didn't understand that from the defense. But personally, one thing I do want to say about um, Georgia and their schedule in Kentucky, every time people will say, well, Georgia only beat Kentucky by 17. You know, look, you beat Kentucky. Well, it seems like this year I've never seen it where every team is overrated. Like yeah. every team, every time you beat a team, I hear Ohio State, they're overrated. Oregon, they're overrated. Like every top team I've heard is overrated. People are saying Bama, they're overrated. They lost to a two-loss team. So I think every team's beatable, but Georgia's actually the team that obviously right now looks the best. Uh, so it's kind of hard to argue, oh, they, they didn't fully look good today because they didn't cover all the last-second play. Like at times Kentucky got them because Kentucky is the one thing that you need against Georgia, a really good O-line. That's the – you don't have a great O-line, you have no chance against Georgia. No, they did great play action. They hit the screens. Georgia had a hard time uh, covering some of the screens in the first half, but uh, they, they adjusted the second half. 
Nicobe Dean with a huge play to bust up a screen with three offensive linemen out there, make it a wall. He got through there, dropped the uh, uh, running back for a loss. That was big. But you talk about which teams are overrated, which ones aren't. Uh, Georgia's played three teams in the top 11, four teams in the top 20. When the Georgia played those three top 11 teams, they Clemson, Arkansas, and now Kentucky, they've given up a total of 16 points. So you can talk about these other teams being overrated, and you can say Georgia's overrated and Georgia hadn't played anybody. And sometimes it feels that way when you look at a team like Kentucky. You're like, well, Kentucky barely beat Chattanooga, you know. And each team that you point to that Georgia's beaten, they either have an ugly loss or a, a, an ugly win. And so you go, that team's not that good. And you can keep saying, well, they still ain't played nobody. But the teams they have played, again, four of them ranked, they've not given up more than 13 points in a game. This is mm-hmm. just – this is a brutal defense, and they're scoring pretty good. So, uh, yeah, like I, I hate the transitive property in yeah. football, but if you want to go off of that, I mean, you had what is it? Georgia beat Arkansas by thirty-seven, and they beat A and M, who beat Bama. So, like, to me, if if you say Kentucky and some of these teams are overrated, you have to say like ninety-five percent of teams in college football are overrated. This well, point. you don't talk overrated. Let's talk uh, Brent Rollins, one of our most overrated people at uh, UGASports.com. Just an absolute. Uh, a, a pity hire. I agree. Absolute, yeah, PFF overrated. I mean, right sometimes you know football. we have to do charity. Sometimes we have to uh, hire hire the uh, the guy that's uh, panhandling on the corner, give him a job as a football analyst. But now we got Brent Rollins, a, the great uh, analyst from Pro Football Focus. He's writing stories at UGASports.com. He does a great film breakdown, and he is one of the top guys I want to have on this post game overreaction show because I can't tell you how much Georgia was in thirteen personnel and why how they adjusted for the screen game. And, that worked out, but Brent can. So Brent, give us your, here's the thing, folks, if you're watching this show, uh, you will get information from Brent that he will probably be putting in a a story that we put behind the paywall. So this is a freebie. Pay attention. Brent, give me your thoughts on this game. Biggest thing for me watching the game. And, you know, obviously I was at the game. I was on the sidelines. This is the first time I've been on the sidelines for a Georgia game. I think in my life, I've been to practice a bunch. I've been to scrimmages. I've been to various things. But seeing a full game in person on the sidelines, the speed of this defense <laughs> is you you cannot even put it really into words, I think is the biggest take home for me of this game. Because it's just – it's phenomenal. And it's one through 18 – in terms of the depth say, chart. Yeah, don't you know, don't say you, one through 11 because I'm going to bust you on that one. So, yeah, you're right. It's one yeah, through no, it's it, – mm-hmm. you know, Tyndall comes in, you know. they And what was interesting, and what Kentucky does, because of their sets, because of how many – you know, t- the tight ends that they play, the tight stuff that they do, you saw Georgia in traditional kind of base defense, more so with both Adam Anderson and Nolan Smith on the field. Uh, I know one play specifically that I texted Dane, hey, we need to show this that Adam Anderson, I think, covered a seam route, you know, in coverage when he was playing. Yeah, he, he was, was sort of at, in that today. star role. Yeah. And, you know, he's that extra guy. That when you do that and you can't attack them in the passing game down the field, you have no shot. Yeah. I like Kentucky's plan. I thought they, you know, some of the things they did, they did well. The screen game, like you talked about right before I popped in here. But – you, if you don't attack this defense in the 10 to 20 yard range, 
you're not going to score more than 20 points unless they unless Georgia gives you the ball in plus territory. Right. Like you have to be able to because you know you tack it 20, 30, 25, 30 yards down the field. Those are 50-50 balls. You know, there's those aren't a lot of times plays that you're designing. You, your short game, like Kentucky, like Wanda Robinson, I looked at one point on the sideline. I was like, all right, what's he got? I saw 11 catches for like 35 yards or something like that. Like yeah. that, just, that doesn't even seem possible. Did they throw uh, but, anything over 20 yards? Uh, a, few, a couple that were incomplete. I know one down near the scoreboard later in the game that was incomplete. Uh, yeah. You know, some of that, but it was minimal. Yeah. And if you don't attack in that 10 to 20 yard range with the passing game and quickly, you got no shot. Like this, this defense is just too good, too fast. What, and that's what the biggest take home. Now here's something I talk about this and it sounds kind of stupid when you, people say, what's this team like? And I go, they're big and fast, but you, I, I will say it every week. Folks do not realize how big and fast this team is when there were years and before Kirby got here and when in Kirby's early tenure, where when you walk the Georgia Bulldogs out and you set them up next to the LSU Tigers, you set them up next to the Alabama Crimson Tide, hell, you set them up against Auburn sometimes, you just look outclassed and outmanned. You're like, I, you know, you're going to have to win this through hooker. You're going to have to win this like a Kentucky team did with smaller players, good plans, and better execution. It's a lot easier to win these games when you have – a uh, Adam Anderson who could drop into star. You know, you can have a Latavius Brady who steps up. Georgia played this whole game uh, with Dan Jackson, if I'm not mistaken, at safety. I don't think uh, uh, Chris ever got I don't think he came off the field, actually. I don't think he specifically yeah. came off the field. Not that nope. I saw. And, and and by the way, you know, I wrote about this earlier in the week. You definitively saw it in this game. They played a ton of zone in this game. Yeah. I, I don't remember seeing I – mean, I'm going to have to like rewatch the game to think, yeah. all right, here's one snap where we're legit in man to man coverage. It was so like, and a lot of, I think a lot of that is because Jackson is there in the lineup that you're just kind of keeping everything in front, giving, you know, not putting possibly him in coverage type situations that you don't want that aren't advantageous to you. Uh, but still they just, and they made Kentucky just put everything in front and they knew like with only Wandell as the receiving option for them, it just it wasn't going to end well for Kentucky, and it didn't. Am I wrong? Was this game closer than it, the scoreboard showed? I actually, <laughs> this might I mean, be the answer. No, because I, you know, I, I, there ne never at any point did I feel like Georgia was on the brink or this was going to be a game kind of thing. Well, it was within one score at halftime. Yeah, and it first was half, no and chance. It, second half, no chance. Second. Yeah, half. again, second half. Second half is the blowout a lot of people expected. To me, is the first half was the close game that a lot of the Kentucky fans were hoping for that I was fearing. I'm like, you could easily have a turnover tie game, uh, penalty. You almost did. Yeah, I mean, if it wasn't for if it wasn't for the you know Kendall Milton fumble that in well, that that one that was humongous. And you when we saw that instantly uh, on the field, like. What is everybody doing just letting the ball go? And then he went and did a great job getting on it. Two, the play that Jalen Carter makes that then gets turned into a, you know, incompletion. Uh, that Why was is it incomplete and not grounding? That's what, I, I, that's what I've always been saying. I, it was grounding for Bo Nix. I, mean, I, I, I guess because he threw it I, and I, hit the I tight end no in the ass. 
And he Is actually hit the Georgia D lineman in the belly. I think he hit Walthour right in the gut. I thought he hit somebody right in the tail, but yeah, it's just. But if that play fumble, like Georgia goes and scores, it's it's an onslaught. So you know Kentucky right. did some things, scored, and you know made it but, look but close then, to the half. Yeah, so yeah, second half. the first half, the first half just felt like everything that could go wrong, or everything that could go either way, worked out for Kentucky. You know, yeah, and Stetson was a little off some, early. Yeah. So you know, like, he just yeah. was. And, and watching him on the sideline, by the way, you could tell that you know that he had a little extra juice to him about him today, like, yeah. especially early. And I think as the game goes on, he settled himself down a little bit and you know was just accurate as I'll get out. The the touchdown to Bowers, uh, the last touchdown to Bowers, like Bowers, the, the, when he threw that ball versus when Bowers was you know actually ready, it was the timing of that is beyond perfect. It was a beautiful thing to see. It happened right in front of us. Uh, it was it was quite amazing. That was that's just sheer faith, you know. Hey, I'm gonna throw it when when you turn around, it'll be there. But yeah, he, he turned around. The ball was on the top of his head. What Brock Bowers uh, will be your SEC fresh? I don't know if it'll be SEC play offensive player of the week, but he will be your SEC freshman of the week for the second time. I'm pretty sure. Right. I would actually argue Jalen Carter was the player of the game, though. I thought he was the most imp- impressive player out there. Nobody blocked him. No, he, he was the one who consistently Never. made plays on their defense. Consistently, I think it was Jalen Carter because he should have had a second sack. That one, it should have, I think that should have been grounding. I think it's when you're in the grass, when you're throwing the ball basically straight at the ground, I don't care. That's basically grounding. There's no way you're intending to throw it to somebody unless yeah. someone catches it. There's no way. They, they should call those grounding every time. Yeah, I didn't get it. I, I should ask Coach Donna while we had him there on our watch-along show. Uh, Alexander makes a good point. So the game wasn't close. It was just physical as hell. Kentucky's tough. Yeah, I guess that's what it was. Is this is the first time you saw a team that could, on one side of the ball, go toe to toe with Georgia's, you know, physical nature. You know, but then, um, and they had such a good plan for Georgia. You know, Georgia tell, hey, Georgia's going to run the ball on first down, and right off the bat, you got two linebackers shooting a gaps on either side. They come zipping in and uh, shooting b gaps and taking away the run. Uh, more guys than you can block, and it just felt like they had Georgia's game plan figured out on offense, you know, well, calling a defense to counter it. And then the second half, Georgia comes out, and we're like, okay, yeah, we have a page two to the playbook. They turned the page and just blew Kentucky's doors off. Well, I think, Roddy, the thing why you think it's closer is because Kentucky had a ton of time of possession, especially the fourth quarter. They, they had a ton held of the time ball of for 49 minutes. Four- but Georgia was explosive. Like when yeah. you have 10, 20 plus yard plays, you're scoring quick. So yeah. obviously Kentucky's just going to feel like they have the ball for longer. So I think that's why, I mean, Georgia's defense is out there a lot. And their offense, I don't feel like they were out there that much this game. I really don't because they, they had so many explosive plays and they were scoring quick. Like when you scored, they had 419 yards on 47 plays, like nine yards per play, close to. I mean, that's, that's really efficient offense. And when you are only running 47 plays and you're putting up over 30 points, I mean, that's pretty explosive in, in my opinion. They just didn't – like, they didn't get the ball too much. Like, usually they're running, like, closer to 70-plus plays. When when you have the ball that that little amount of time and put up, like, 30 – I mean, they missed the extra points. Should have been 34 on Kentucky. That's pretty impressive to me. Now, I like the last the, – the drive that put them up 30-7. to seven. That, that that was a hyper aggressive drive. That that you know you think about that the point in the game where it's twenty four to seven. That was the point in the game last week where it was a ten play sixty six. We're running it every single time, and and finishing off this game. Not tonight. 
not or not today. That was yeah. we're spreading it and we're getting it to our playmakers. And by the way, who are your best players on offense right now with all your receiver injuries? Your tight ends, you know, plus Lad. And they got in the ball and got on the ball a lot. Hey, let's uh, bring in Dane Young, who just did the watch long show with me. Dane, did you make it back to the house? I'm here. I have uh, bourbon in hand since we uh, discussed it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, I, I wouldn't know. What have you seen like. enough of my face today? Have I made you enough money? This this is beginning to feel like a we do we proper as many super chats as we had. Yeah, bro, we money. they were popping. I love that because that lets us buy more gear. So, Roddy, you might be right on the Ole Miss Tennessee over under. By the way, only seven two right now. This is a miracle. Just telling you. Will there be yeah. more points in the Braves playoff game or the Ole Miss Tennessee game at this rate? Like, you go back to that uh, Georgia Clemson game. What did we? What was the over under on that? Anybody remember? No. Come on, Brent. Was it like fifty? Forties. Yeah, I thought it was like forty-one. Forty-eight. Yeah, but everyone's talking about how these teams are going to score at all these points, you know. And these defenses get pissed off when they hear that. They're like. You're you're assuming that both teams are going to score 35 points or 25 points or something like that, and that you come out and they've been insulted. Their manhood's been challenged, and they come out and they play much better. So I'm sure that this Ole Miss-Tennessee game will get sideways here and they'll start scoring points by the truckload. But through uh, the first 10 minutes, nine total points, so not too much. Brent, I know you're on the sideline, but I have a nice little dock here of, like, things for me to pull for Film Don't Lie. There you go. Awesome. It's going to be swanky. I like it. Hey, what was the stadium atmosphere like with that timeout at the end? <laughs> so, I actually, we were actually in the car on the way home. Like, because of uh, my ride, uh, my neighbor uh, who happened to help help get me on the sideline there and, and for the tickets tonight, today, we're like, we kind of bolted right there after uh, it was clear that Kentucky was literally going to try to run the clock out to you know, just to cover. But it wasn't clear. Uh, but yeah, it was, uh, did not, I, I was reading about it. I saw Jed's tweet about what was going on and I was like, really? That actually happened. Yeah, that's not going to go over well in the future. Now, we, we mentioned these uh, super chats and we will uh, put those on screen. If you want to guarantee that you can get your comment on the screen, hit us up a super chat. Uh, Amari Carmichael says, here's another super chat. What was the Roddy surprise? I had mentioned in my three, two, one that we would see a surprise. And I know a lot. Of, I said, it's a small surprise, nothing major. And people are like, it's going to be black jerseys. That would be to some people, a big surprise. Uh, like, Hey, <laughs> Man, is, is you George, had Pickens. George Pickens was going to be out there. Like, you know, well, for 150 he, yards. That's, that's not a small surprise, but again, is that a small surprise or is that a gigantic surprise? This is a small thing. I mentioned it in passing at the end of a column. You know? No, people thought George Pickens was going to play basketball this season or something. Yeah, I'm just saying the uh, – What was I that, said, Blaylock, Roddy? No, because he, he's like, I don't expect Blaylock to play this year. I really don't. I, I'm, I, don't I don't know if they really need him too much. Yeah, I, I don't, don't expect Kyrus Jackson to play a lot at receiver this year. I, I do. I expect him to get back. And be more. I mean, Lad McConkey's doing fantastic. Don't get me wrong. And if, here's the thing: people don't realize Lad McConkey got hurt in practice this past week. He got banged up. I mean, he's not. I shouldn't say hurt. He got banged up some. But he's a tough kid. By I think by Thursday, Friday, he didn't feel it anymore. I did get the information that he was he had an issue early in the week, and I'm like, 
son of a bitch. These guys can't stay healthy to save their lives. So, Well, but, uh, Roddy, I think the only two that can come back and make a difference are Pickens and Burton. Because Burton's been dinged up, but I still know they want to use him. And then Pickens. We can get Marcus Roseby Jack Saint back. I think he can make a difference too. But Num- number eleven, that's the one. That's the one that we need to see. Yeah. No, you're right. Uh, but the thing is that that was not the surprise. True. So uh, uh, I said this. So are you going to reveal the surprise or no? No, because I said they might actually use it at Florida. Okay. There you go. It, it did not happen in this game. What a tease. That was I really good. They might again. Use it at Florida. We can't talk about the, all the other parts it. of my like, column. We're going to talk about this one damn little thing. Okay, we'll see. I'm sorry. I, I mean, really to cut good. you off, man. Go ahead. Were you talking yeah. to me? Yeah, I didn't. Mean no, to cut I was you just going to say when when you say like, oh, they're going to use the surprise for Florida, like serious, and that's how you end your three. Or reveal. I should say they will reveal the surprise, or the surprise will happen that week. The whole three, two, one reporter is like, oh, this what what you were saying, and then it's just surprise, and then nobody cares about anything else in your report. I, I, I didn't understand what, what you what you were doing. I had good questions, good observations. My, my teaching you, journal here, Roddy. The surprise was that Jack Podlesny missed the extra point. That's the surprise. That is. I thought he went, into, he went into the tent at one point. Oh, Roddy, I was told AP style most important stuff at the top. You put it at the bottom. I don't know. I don't. I don't because it was the least important thing in the column. It just happened to get the most reaction. I don't know how the you most, think the most important the most reaction. Oh, I got and remember. A and remember, it's a column. It's not. It's not. It's not inverted pyramid when you're doing. Uh, when you're writing a column, a that's a, a news story. So the news story from this game: Georgia wins. Okay, they beat number eleven, top three team. They win by uh, seventeen points, thirteen to mm-hmm. thirty. Uh, off week, no win. Well. No one injured. Georgia wins. <laughs> uh, maintain number one ranking. You know, we're able to defend that off week. Face a, uh, a Florida team that, uh, hey, I wonder if everybody in the uh, uh, chat there can tell me how to spell Mullen. I would like uh, someone to write it out for me there because I'm not sure exactly how to spell Dan Mullen, but I'm, I'm pretty sure. Three L's. Three we'll, we'll, L's. We'll, we'll see. Yeah, well, there. <laughs> there we I go. I figured somebody would come up with it right off the bat. So, uh, yeah, I, this worries me about them playing a spoiler. Because what would save their season? Wait, wait, wait. Let me ask Brent. I don't know how much you watch Florida Day, but what's your opinions of that team? Because when you look at the box score of them, I don't know if they're an offensive team. I don't know if they're a defensive team. I don't. I just don't know what they are. I I, I agree. And I also think they don't know. I think they have good sort of <laughs> like they have things that you, you know, like this year that that they didn't have a year ago. Like they have defensive line depth. They have guys that are playing at a high level in the defensive line, but they got absolute gashed today. And, and you know, so that's one thing we're like, okay, really, what are we doing? I mean, they had Kyir Elam back today, like, and still gave up you know, 49 points or whatever it was. Yeah, and one of their former running backs, I forget who it was, I have to check Twitter, is like, we haven't been DBU since 2016. So, like, Florida alums are getting a little they're, – they're roasting their own school right now. <laughs> I will say from the from the Georgia game perspective, like, I, the if Emory plays, I just don't see him being good enough to beat this defense and do have consistent offense. And thus, what happened today 
to me makes it more likely Worst that you see the scenario. that you see the Richardson kid for a whole deal and he's got two weeks to prepare and two and then two weeks to plan around like that to me is was probably the most interesting thing from that loss is that you're now I think definitely going to see the Richardson kid well but Brent I think the thing that Georgia is most susceptible to that we haven't seen because the schedule doesn't present it is a dynamic downfield passing attack we haven't seen that from anyone that Georgia's played and I don't see Florida or frankly anyone else in the regular season and I'm looking around college football I'm not seeing much of it anywhere there's only one team you don't want to play to me there's there's one team yeah that's that is the one team that you want no part of i think oklahoma can get there i don't oklahoma nope caleb williams the best player in college but i watch him in high school so maybe i'm biased there but he is special he's special i don't 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 want nothing to do with caleb williams don't want nothing to do with uh, oklahoma right now not not till everybody's healthy but ohio state i would agree with brent by far that's because they have two dynamic receivers two dynamic ones and, and if not three or you know, yeah. maybe four, but they're just their their receiver core plus their offense and the coaching part of that from an offensive perspective, that's one like you know, Alabama's gonna be Alabama, Alabama's gonna be an an extremely tough game uh in the SEC championship. But like in terms of the big picture, like to me it's Alabama and Ohio State. And I've said this on our Thursday pod with Coach Donnan, but those are the two teams to me that when you look at it that can do that. Like I talked about earlier, those are the two teams that can hurt you in that 10 to 25 your that intermediate, but still down the field uh, in the passing game. Yeah. Florida doesn't have the accuracy that it had with Trask. It doesn't have a playmaker that it had in Kyle Pitts. And so I just don't see as much to be scared of other than it's a rivalry game and weird stuff happens. There and I actually think that's yeah. as much as anything what happened with Florida and LSU because Florida's a more talented team than LSU on the field. Uh, and what, it what, didn't what, show up today. True, and but LSU is fighting for their coach. Okay, are they? Yes, are they? Absolutely. Uh, I mean, I, I, the guys I saw, that are there are probably. I saw a yeah, theory exactly. online that the guys like, that are there that Dan Mullen was playing like meta, like down the line that keeping Orgeron around is better for their schedule <laughs> in the future. And so like, <laughs> go ahead and drop this one because the season's already over. Like that's how fans think, but like, it's not too wild actually. I'm just saying you never know what a team's going to rally and try to get together. And if you've had three losses, like a Florida team has, and you're like, you know, well, at least we could say, but rally with we, who, like all their best players are not. Yeah, you, you don't forget when you go down to, when Georgia heads to Jacksonville, you have to beat Florida you have to beat the refs, and you have to beat the whole damn town because Georgia but, doesn't play well in the city of Jacksonville. So you've got, it's a it's a threefer that you got to beat all R- of. Roddy, here's the thing though, Florida. I mean LSU's backup corners, no ring, no Rick. So I think is the best corner in college football in my opinion, and then no Stingley. Without those two guys, they were in man coverage, locking down Florida's receivers, especially in that first half. They were locking them. They had no separation. Hey, you dude, think I, I, I hope it's fifty to nothing. Don't get me wrong. I'm just saying I. I will be happier when that game is over. The only point you have, Roddy, is that Death Valley is what caused that today and that whatever reason Florida didn't play well there. So if you really believe that about Georgia and Jacksonville, and I don't because I've seen too many good Georgia performances in recent years, and Jacksonville's just where they play. Kirby doesn't even want to play it. You're like 19 years old. I've been going to that freaking game since 1990, and I've seen better Georgia teams go down there and lay an egg. You know, and so I'm scarred. Not better than this one. I, hey, like they say, uh, like we were talking about Kevin Kenny on the show and talking about driving and crying, scarred but smarter. I'm scarred but smarter about that game. So I'm going to be a little hesitant about it. But, again, especially when a team that has lost, you 
they had their third loss, and now they have nothing. The season, as uh, Brent says, the season's pretty much over for them. So why not move to the future? Let's go AR-15. Let's try a new offense. Let's try a running quarterback. Let's throw everything to the th- – we have nothing to lose. Let's play spoiler. Let's try uh, – we don't have to be as conventional. Season, season's toast. AR-15, uh, is that a thing? Are people yeah. saying that? Yeah. yeah. Oh. I mean, he's definitely starting. They started him the whole what after Emory had the interception first after drive. Had start, the after, they never put him back in. I just didn't know the nickname was a thing. That's the first I've heard the nickname. Yeah, it's. Uh, well, I think you, one you, thing that's going to help. My t-shirt with it. In two, in two weeks is I would assume Chris Smith plays. Like I think that uh, I would I, I would the, make that assumption. I would bet if today were a just. Absolute, we're you know we're playing LSU 2019 like that he plays today kind of thing. Uh, I would assume that, but you know, I think he's he's going to be there in two weeks. That helps your depth. Now, like Jackson in that in the dime role, I think is a much better thing than it is in a you know eight eighty play role. Uh, so, you know, I think I think that's going to help big time. In addition to like to me, the one guy like. You know, Burton, Rosemary Jackson, I don't see them as difference makers now with how this offense is constructed. That's a good Because point. the offense is constructed in a way that your your best plays in are going to be getting the tight ends in space, play action, deep shots, you know, play action where you can have longer developing routes. And Mitchell and McConkie are doing that. Like what you're going to get from Burton, Rosemary Jackson are just other guys that can do that. Uh, in depth and, you know, fresh bodies, that kind of thing. But to me, there is one guy and one guy only, and it's been that way from day one, and that's Arian Smith, because that guy can just flat out run by anyone in college football, and that is difference-making. In terms I of agree offense. with you, Brent, but I will give the addendum that, like, in certain plays, Rosemary Jack Saint would help the offense more than than A.D. Yeah. Mitchell being out there, just because of the downfield blocking. blocking. That's yes. all it is. Um, you know, in terms of dynamic route running, I think AD Mitchell's right there. With I mean, Rosemary Jackson's had so much time off the field, uh, I'm, he can run those too. But like when you get into downfield blocking and stuff that would help running back spring further, then you, you know, Rosemary's a better person for that. But also, JT, I, I think that JT and Stetson that's actually an important thing when it comes to Rosemary and Burton because JT loved throwing to Burton last yes, year, and even to start Absolutely. this year. Stetson doesn't throw to him a lot. He just, I mean, he, he just does. I know he's been hurt this year, but when JT's in, they throw a lot. They did a lot of screens to Burton. Like they like to use him. JT is a really good, probably, I think that he might have the best connection with JT in the past game, especially last year, um, outside of Pickens when he was out. So I think with Stetson, yeah, I think it's more McConkey, Mitchell, Arian Smith. I agree with Brenton on that one. You know, what's interesting, the point you just made, Ben, is something that I have a number for. And I've been just kind of holding it in my pocket, back pocket for a while. You've been carrying her out in your wallet in Boston, <laughs> yes. just waiting for someone to ask. Well, because like I saw a, this conversation. He got a tattoo. No. Uh, I saw this conversation condo. on the vent. Saw this conversation on the vent. And it, this is what made me think of it was the whole idea of the playbook being more for one versus the other. Right. In terms of the QB. And what the the argument on the vent was, hey, that, you know, with, with JT, it's more and more playbook. It's shrunk, the playbook is actually shrunk with Stetson. But if you look at it over the past two years, 
even this specifically this year. JT this year, 33% of his attempts have been screens. Stetson over the last two years has like the fourth or fifth highest average depth of target, like down the field in the country. So if you're thinking that the playbook shrinks with Stetson, I tend to think the data and what and what the look of it actually might be the other way around. Because really? you know, why is there why, why does one and I think by the way, I think that's also the running game and the QB helping in the running game stuff. Why is the percentage of screens thrown with one way higher versus the other? And then, you know, there's there's certain little things there that make me think, hmm, maybe that's not, you know, it's not this is what the case, at least what the discussion was on the event that day that I saw that. Well, and I wonder, too, if the targets to certain receivers is either anecdotal or just small sample size, because you're totally right, Ben, that like Jermaine Burton has a much better production and stat sheet deal when JT Daniels is throwing the ball. However, you know, I think a lot of fans are saying that oh, it looks like Brock Bowers is not playing as well or getting as many targets since uh, Stetson's been in the game. And then you see what he did today. And, and mm-hmm. you know, the, the game plan that Kentucky threw out there was just saying, if you can beat us with your tight ends, go do it. Uh, and Georgia did. But well, Georgia's tight end university now. They are tight end you. I mean, when you think about Darnell. Fitzpatrick caught one today. Fitzpatrick yeah, caught a pass. Darnell looked, uh, I mean, the, the leap. And, like, that was that happened, like, 10 yards in front of me. That was insane watching. And Oscar Delp retweeted Roddy or something. Uh, yeah. Well, he was, yeah. he was there. He walked, he, he was, he was there as well. Bowers and, you know, so, you know, you got the Spurling kid also that's in tow from Florida. So, you know, all these tweets about tight ends has turned, uh, has, has turned Georgia. Yeah. I'm taking full credit for Georgia taking, becoming tight end you because I've pestered the sh- stuffing out of them to make them do it. So. You can't get credit when you do something for 15 years and then it happens. That has nothing <laughs> yes, to do you with can. You. It, sometimes no. it takes a while to, to turn a big ship. It takes a little extra time. So No, but here's the difference. These are different tight ends that, than George has had in the past. And yeah, but, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, but I was also going to say JT also does better with Darnell. I think Stetson does better with Bowers because you remember Darnell only had one catch prior to JT playing last year with Stetson and Dwan Mathis. He had one, no, two catches. He had two catches. And then he had like a lot at, between five, the Missouri game the and games. Cincinnati. So JT has a good rapport with Washington and, and Burton. But I think when it comes to Bowers, the running backs, and some of the other positions, I, I think Bennett does. Like you look at the NFL, I mean, look at Baker and Odell. I keep talking about this. Those guys just aren't on the same page. It's just, I think it's one of those dynamics. And, I tend to agree with with Brent. I don't see that many wide receiver screens anymore with Stetson. But with JT, they would throw wide receiver screens consistently with Burton, with Smith, with Kiaris. I mean, they would throw a bunch of wide receiver screens. Now, they don't do it anymore. So I kind of agree. But Stetson, they're loading the box, so now you have the shots. So I think it is open more. It's at least open in the sense that, like, when they run any kind of play action – uh, or even option read or, or RPO that Stetson has the ability to keep and run with it. Uh, and so in that sense, but like maybe there's some more downfield passing that JT can can do that Stetson doesn't always do. I mean, that combination route with McConkey and, and Bowers, that was a touchdown to Bowers in the end zone. That was gorgeous tonight. He had – in the first half, a lot of people were jumping all over Stetson. I saw a lot of comments at the end of the half. The defense is going to have to win this for us. We can't win it with Stetson at quarterback. The, the defense has to carry Stetson Bennett because he was five of ten, you know, fifty percent 
70 uh, something yards or not, not a whole lot of passing yards in the first half. Then he came out that second or that the first drive of the second half went seven of seven. And I called up the stats here. We can see that uh, he was 14 of 20. You know, that's uh, 70%, if I'm not mistaken. So um, you really can't beat that. 250 yards, three touchdowns, not not too shabby. Um, Regardless of where people fall on, on JT or Stetson, and I, I people have reasons on both sides, I don't know that there's a wrong answer at this point. And I, maybe the right answer is to play both when they're healthy. I have no idea. Um what I will say is I think that everyone can agree Stetson's playing at a much higher level this year than he did last year. I don't agree. What? What? Whoa, whoa, whoa. Antagonist versus versus what? He's playing better quarterback this year than nah, he did last year. That's what I'm saying. Well, if, back, well, yeah, give me some numbers. Spit them out. Be, did you see him versus Kentucky and Alabama last year? That was terrible. Yeah, uh, against Alabama last year when he was took a twenty-four to twenty lead into halftime. The only quarterback to have a lead. In the only half. quarterback to have a lead on Alabama. Roddy, he threw three interceptions in the second half, and he had guys open in that game. I don't go to the extreme that he was terrible at any points last year. I mean, especially when you compare it to the other alternatives. There's a lot of quarterbacks that had terrible games against Alabama last year. That was a legendary Alabama Right, just look, and I think some people don't like doing this, but look at him versus Kentucky last year versus this year. Against Kentucky last year was bad. You cannot argue that he was good against Kentucky last year. Holy shit, a quarterback had a bad game. He's terrible. Dude, you're basing it on one game. What about the other games that he won? We're not saying well, he's terrible, terrible, but he's better bad this year, Roddy. His good things because you got a you got an agenda to push. Roddy, he's better this year than last year. I'm not saying he was terrible last year, but he's Brent. Much mediate worse. this. Mediate this, Brent. I'm gonna bet that when you look at the PFF grades that come out, and obviously that's not the end all be all, but in yeah. terms of quarterback play, I think it's it's as good as it gets because of how we isolate quarterback play. I would venture to say that Stetson's grade is going to be between like 85 and 90. And I would venture to just, and some of it's, it's just ball placement. And when you talk about down the field throws and things like that, and then when you look at what he's done in his career from a passing grade standpoint, I think the number is now something like seven or eight games now in his career that he's been at least 80 or 80, 85 or above. And I think that number is like one. Maybe two with JT. I think two in his career, and, you know, and we're talking about a lot more games uh, for the other. Or the games are actually about probably equal now. There's been a lot yeah. more elite uh, from Stetson than people want to really give. Yeah, and last to. year you, Stetson was told before the season started, "You're not going to play here. We do not see playing time for you. We've got Jamie Newman, we've got Dwan Mathis, we've got Carson Beck, we've got." Uh, uh, Carson was Beck it? was not in play last year. You don't need it for that. <laughs> no, I'm just saying they had, they had a bunch of names. So look, Carson Beck wasn't going to play last year, bro. <laughs> no, Jamie I'm Newman, just... Dewan Mathis, and then when JT Daniels was healthy. Yeah, like, JT Daniels. So you got, you got, so, but there's four of the quarterbacks. Now, they tell Carson Beck, hey, we don't see you playing at all this year. But they yeah. told that to they told that to Stetson Bennett. Well, Jackson Muschamp has had as good of a chance to play as Carson Beck last year. No, no, no with Carson Beck, Rod. I, I don't accept that one either. So, so he wasn't on scholarship last year. No, he was on guys. scholarship, but he right. came in during a COVID year and had COVID early on. And yeah. so I'm like, just saying he was, they had, he was other, behind they the had eight scholarship the quarterbacks, and they, but did they tell him, hey, we don't see you playing at all this year? Maybe they did, maybe they didn't. But we know for a fact they told Stessy he wasn't going to play. He had no reps with the number ones. 
He gets thrown out there. He saves people's bacon against Arkansas. And all people have done is shit on him for a whole year. This year he's played really well, but I think he still had the capability last year. This year he's known, like, going into that uh, game the other day, he said, yeah, I've known since Monday that I was going to be the starter. Well, when you get all the reps with the number one, you play better. But I think he had the same potential. Roddy, would you say he's more consistent this year than last year? I don't know. I'd have to look at the numbers. It's also apples and oranges. He's throwing to Brock Bowers. That makes you look really good as a quarterback. You know, the supporting cast is better. That's that's for sure. You know, it's it's great running backs back there. You don't have he doesn't have to do too much. Just get him in the right thing. That we just had the question: who makes more uh, uh, adjustments on the line of scrimmage? Uh, Stetson moves the protection around really well. Maybe he's more comfortable with it. I don't know that he's gotten better. I just think that uh, it's – I think he was capable of this all the time. Last year against Florida, he's playing with a busted shoulder. You know, that sucked. A lot of times you also play badly depending on the – I should say play badly, but you play the game. What was it? Was it against Arkansas? They threw it seven times, 11 times? Because you know you're going to run it the whole time. Well, look, now – I probably shouldn't even take this conversation here, but I'll I'll do it. I don't care. I've had some bourbon. Um, Stetson <laughs> took a hard hit and had some shoulder discomfort in the first half, and he still played. Yep. And what I'll tell you is that at least from conversations I've had, the question has been out there of what is JT Daniels' pain tolerance and is it enough to be able to rely on on him when needed? Now I'm not trying. I'm not saying he's not a tough kid or whatever. When you have a lat issue, like sometimes you just can't throw. I don't know. I haven't been around him. I haven't seen him in practice. I, coaches would know better than me. But what I'm telling you is that even if that perception is there, that Stetson will play through something that JT won't. That's a big deal for for college coaches. Or really, I mean, Brent would tell you the same thing for youth coaches. Like if you have a tough kid, you're going to lean on the tough kid. Yeah, that's true. It, it's such a it's such a discussion that's like I think Dane said, I think I don't know that there is a wrong answer, but I think they do become they're two different teams based upon who is on the field. Uh, and there's just there's a lot of things that, you know, in terms of from an offensive perspective that uh, you know, you're not going to do with JT on the field, but you know, in terms of throwing the ball to tight ends like you're doing, doing some of the things that we've seen like the against South Carolina, the big throws down the field, uh, which AT, like there are certain things with it that, Hey, maybe I'm going to look a little bit different with one versus a little bit different with other. This one gives me a little bit more, obviously from a mobility standpoint, I can do more bootlegs. I can do more of this, but I think on the bright side, if both are healthy, you know, somebody has got to prepare for both. Who's going to play? Like, all right. Who's going to Do be you play them both, game? though? Do you play them both? Because we had that conversation last week, and I was told I was stupid I, for me I, since, suggesting it. I I don't, but I do know that if one's playing bad, that you got another you feel pretty comfortable with. If you ever do it, you actually have to play them both with, like, the full playbook, though, and not do the, the Fields from thing. We're like, all right, Fields is coming in. We know what's happening here. Like, you, you have to leave it where the other team kind of has to guess what's going on. You got two starters, and you know it's just going to be a matter of which one do you pick moving forward once both are completely healthy. And in terms of like injury recovery, obviously George Pickens, if he could be back at whatever is as close to one hundred percent as that knee could allow sometime this year, that's massive. But like the the biggest injury recovery has already happened, and it's Darnell Washington. 
both in the run game and the pass game. He he changes everything. And Brent, we watch in film don't lie. Like you you can do things with him because if it's in the run game, you have an extra offensive lineman. Like legitimately, you have a first round tackle. Basically, he's a first yes. round ta- talent. He's a first round talent. He he's a first round tackle talent the size of LeBron James that can also catch a ball and juke a guy. You don't we'll find that people. other places. He's a unicorn. When y'all when y'all say first round talent, my head pops up and I'm like Jalen Carter. I, I don't know what I don't know what the question is. I don't know what the uh, what what the context of the comments are. But I, well, I, there are two. Like to me, when you look at that, if you look at the NFL draft part of this with this team, there are two guys that are top ten potential picks, and that is one that you just said that'd be Mr. Carter. And Keely Ringo is the other. Like those two guys are the have the physical traits plus now the play and the production that says I can be picked in the top ten of the draft. There's some potential in some of the younger guys that haven't played. Amarius Mims has the body that he could get there, but I mean he obviously would need production to show that. Yeah. Hey, it's interesting. Uh, some of the line shuffling they did too. Yeah, yeah let's give a shout out to uh, uh, Jamari Sawyer for toughing it out. I know he was in pain. Uh, I asked some of our guys that uh, talk to people who go to practice, who heard from someone who changes up the water practice, something like that. You know, friend of a friend of a source of a guy who knows somebody who knows somebody else. You didn't get and, binoculars and, and look no, into I did it not like those Oklahoma kids? I will tell you, I do know of a place where you can see into the Georgia practice facility. I, I, I do too. It, I haven't either, but I know where you're I, talking about. I, but there is a spot. <laughs> and um, – it can be done, and I'm, I don't want to say that because then Kirby will build walls around the damn place. But that's uh, just going never, to the door. That's we've never got up to done that. But point being, thank <laughs> uh, uh, you. Let me lose my thought, Nate, about the whole uh, thing. Uh, it cracks me up. Uh, I do want to give a shout out to Jamari Sawyer for toughing it out and uh, just being uh, during the week. I said, "Is Jamari Sawyer practicing?" And it got asked through all the questions, you know, through all the friends and persons and people and sources. And they said, we can't really tell he's dressed out, but uh, he's not doing as much as the other guys. So I'm like, well, do you think he's going to play? Well, I mean, he's dressed out, he's there, but he's not doing as much as the other guys. So that's a tough one. People go, well, is, you know, is uh, Chris going to play? Is Jamari Sawyer going to play? Well, they, they've been out there. You know, Jermaine Burton was out there actually, you know, playing a lot and running routes. Marcus Rosemary Jackson as well. But uh we, 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 we did not know coming into the game if he was going to play or not. And to see him go the whole game was big. Uh, I was a little surprised, though, to see – does anybody know why they pulled Warren Erickson and put in uh, Xavier Trust? I know sometimes they want to go big, but – He was 20 like Trust, yards downfield. I, that look that – That had to be a, a play – confusion on the play. Because, I mean, all the linemen are behind the line of scrimmage, and then you have yeah. him like 20 yards downfield blocking a ref. I mean, that was one of the weirdest pictures I think I've, I've seen this year. Uh, I have two potential. I mean, these are just like working theories. I haven't thought them out. Um, if George has a weakness on the offensive line this year, it's probably been right guard. Yeah, and so, like, if there's a spot to, to switch around. The other well, thing. They, they want big there. They, they, Kirby said it in press conferences. We need a big guy. We need to get bigger at our guard spots. So The other thing is if you start, I mean, it's middle of the season. It's about to be the bye week. So, like. Don't chastise me for this. If you begin to look ahead and look at the depth that Georgia has in the offensive line, 
I would imagine Trust may be one of the people that may look at the portal before some others. And so maybe you want to get him involved sooner. All right, hey, let's bring in Jed May. Jed's at the stadium. They will kick him out before too long, and then we'll also bring in uh, Dave McMahon, our stats guy. But let's uh, start with Jed. Jed, you're at the stadium. We, we've heard from uh, the field-level guys. We heard from uh, Blaine Gilmer earlier. He's on his way back to Gainesville. We've had uh, Brent, who's actually on the sideline, guest of somebody important who he won't rat out. But uh, Hey, my uh, thing said guest of the guest picker, by the way. Oh, what? And we've only had him on one time. That's big, though. All right. Uh, if you would, Jed, give us your thoughts on the game. The rest of us are getting kind of drunk. Yeah, well, I'm getting kind of cold sitting out here. It's 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 chilly for, for the middle of October. But um, anyway, um, no, it was, it was like you guys have been saying, you know, the offense, it's kind of what we've seen from the past, you know, couple weeks. I didn't throw it a ton. I mean, compared to some of the offenses seen in college football, but. They hit a lot of explosive plays, especially tight end. Something me and Patrick were talking about, um, you know, towards the end of the game. Georgia had completed 14 passes today. Eight went to tight ends. Five to Brock Bowers, two to Darnell Washington, and on the one down the sideline, John Fitzpatrick. So that's uh, that's what my offensive sidebar is going to be here in a little bit. Just the tight ends, but that you kind of like got finally got to see all three of those guys on the field at the same time. 13 personnel, all that kind of good stuff, um, and it works. I mean, that's all you can say is that the 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 dream has come to fruition and it worked out well today. That has been my dream. Speak, uh, you're giving stats. Uh, let's get Dave McMahon in here. Dave, give us some of the stats from the game that you did. I mean, you well, worked this game. Yeah, I mean, it's nice to do a game back in um, in Athens for once. I mean, I haven't done a game here in, it seems like, a long, long time. Um, but I, if you notice, this is a nice little hotel I have in the background. Around, so, I mean, I did, yeah, wait, wait, why are you at a hotel in the town <laughs> you live in? Because it, I, get, <laughs> cause I get hotel points. That's the key. Oh, oh you're such a slacker. You can be in your own points. bed. All about the points you get. Speaking of points, how about this fact? Um, you know, the last time Georgia's first seven games allowing 13 or fewer points, first time since 1942, the first seven games, what happened allowed, in first seven games they've allowed 13 or fewer points. Um, in 1942, some people say Georgia won a natty. The, the AP doesn't do it. Some of the other people don't do it, but some people they got, do. They got 1942 on the, on the facade of the stadium down there. They do they that 1942, so Georgia counts it. Uh, like, just like Alabama counts a million and uh, two million um, national championships, why can't Georgia count at least two? So whatever. Um, but another fun fact I, I, I figured out recently, um, 12, that's 12 straight wins. Kentucky now has um, – I mean, Georgia has over Kentucky. Kentucky has 12 wins, period, in the series. And, and Georgia now has 12 straight over Kentucky. So I think that's pretty cool. Um, another thing, with like you talked about, I think it was um, Brent talking about um, Wendell Robinson for like had 12 catches like for 39 yards. He led the led the SEC in receiving yards coming into the day with 527. Chris Rodriguez Jr., running back, had led the SEC with 126 rushing yards. He had only seven. Last week against... Last what, week what? against um yeah he had only seven rushing yards he led the SEC in rush yards per game entering the game L last week alone Kentucky had over three hundred yards rushing they had they had super super less I haven't seen the final number but they had unbelievably low numbers a lot of it yes is due to sacks but they stopped them on the run George I mean Kentucky had two big drives obviously one of forty yards one of seventy five yards. Then they also had a drive, the first drive of the game with 19. 
everything else was three and outs for them. So d- dominant after dominant after dominant. And and Jed, you had you nailed it with the tight end, like eight catches for the tight ends, 158 yards, two TDs, both of Bowers. He leads the SEC um, tight ends, in, uh, leads all SEC freshmen in, in touchdown receptions. He's second in the nation as of right now in um, touchdowns by a freshman. So he's he's up there. I mean, pretty cool that left and right. Um, Dane said I'm going to go right. Up on the, I listened a little bit during I was the just um, saying, If anybody needs to bump off, y'all let me know. I'll get you out of here. Uh-oh. Hi, Brent. Oh. <laughs> well, yeah, I love you, yeah, Brent. Yeah. Damn it, he's gone. <laughs> no. Well, yeah, there's a lot of really cool numbers, like left and right. I mean, the impressive. I mean, yeah, those little parts that started out slow here and there, but overall, it was an impressive day. Gotcha. Jed, uh, from the TV standpoint, it sounded really, really loud out there. Which, which was, which was louder, this game or the Arkansas game? Ooh, um, I think this. I think the Arkansas game, like at its peak, might have been louder, but this game was longer or louder for longer just because the Arkansas game was 21 nothing, you know, halfway through the first quarter or whatever it was. Um, this one was loud, you know, into the second half. <laughs> I think the, the loudest it might have been was on that last fourth down or third and goal play there at the very end when, you know, Mark Stoops calls a timeout with four seconds left and, you know, the, the defense goes out on the field, tries to get the whole crowd fired up going for the goal. I had, I had a lot of people tell me after the game that we're in the booth that. That was the loudest at the end of the game in that much of a point difference than they've ever heard. Absolutely. I mean, it was it was very reminiscent. Yeah, it was very reminiscent of um, the Mississippi State game a few years ago when um, Dan Mullen tried to score at the very end, and um, Monty Rice came up with the fourth goal stop. And they obviously didn't call timeouts at the end of that game. Mark Stoops did, but very. I mean, same end zone and everything. Um, So, but yeah, it it, like you said, Roddy, it was really really loud. Second straight home game against the top twelve team or whatever. So. Uh, the fans brought it again today. I mean, no doubt about it. Well, that's two weeks in a row that there's been like funky timeouts at the end that are just like, well, yeah, what I, are y'all I doing? Thought of that during the game. That was it's yeah. weird. And both were really weird. <laughs> Say what you mean, Roddy. <laughs> no, I mean they were. It's just tacky. Again, there's not a 25 point play that you can run, you know. And I guess I'm just a little sensitive about it because you got so many guys injured, and you're basically just. You don't want to get anyone hurt on the play like that. Exactly. I, mm-hmm. I, I say that I'm nervous. You know, I'll, I'll be nervous about the Georgia Florida game because I've seen stupid things happen in that series. Mm-hmm. I've also seen stupid things happen when a when you're in garbage time. You know, you see a guy get hurt. Uh, you well, you know, you see a guy get hurt on the celebration sometimes, but you're like, this should not be a situation where, uh, just you know, you're close. You're calling it so you get three, you're three seconds left. You didn't make it. And there are times when Kirby Smart could have uh, – he'll, he'll take a knee with his team on, like, the four-yard line. Mm-hmm. He could go ahead and push it in and win by 25 points instead of 18. But he's like, no, we're just going to stop here at 18 points. We're 18 points. Uh, you think you think that's you his know. defensive pride and wants to be, like, the, the defense – like, offense is okay if they don't score, but the defense, hey – this, that's my bread and butter. I can't let them score. No, it's just it's just tacky. I mean, there's a thing in the coaching world, and it's you know, it's like, look, let's get out of here. Let's not get anybody hurt. I shouldn't have to put my my guys shouldn't be out there trying to stop you on this play that just doesn't matter anymore. Can I say though? Because like I think the play actually may matter in a weird way. Uh, uh, it, meant, it meant a lot to the uh, people betting on it. 
Well, there's that that it meant a lot. To <laughs> I see Chad over there. But when you look yeah, at Jed Kentucky's lost schedule today, <laughs> and I I have beaten this horse, and Coach Donna called me out for it, but I'm gonna continue to beat it. If you look at Kentucky's schedule, you're saying if you can beat Mississippi State and you can beat Tennessee, then you're likely gonna be 11 and one at the end of the season, not having to play in the SEC championship. I don't know if that resume is going to be good enough for the college football playoff, but I know having an extra touchdown against Georgia sure. may make it a little may look a little better for those folks on the committee when they're looking at a piece mm. of paper and not remembering what happened on October 16th. So, Roddy, I asked you this question earlier. I'll actually pose it to Dane. Which team would scare you more, Florida or Tennessee right now? I would probably say Florida because I think they have more overall talent on the roster. But like Tennessee's like fast pace of offense is a little scary. I just think Tennessee's defense is not where it needs to be. Like I, I've seen Florida's defense like against Alabama stuff them. And I haven't seen Tennessee do that against someone that's as talented. So I'd probably still say Florida, but it, it's closer than I ever would have thought before the season. Yeah, let's give everybody a score update. Ole Miss is beating Tennessee 17 to 9. So it was uh, seven to two a little while ago, but now. And the Braves seven. and Dodgers are one-one in game and one of. You all could disagree with me with about Florida's offense, but um, I still think their two <laughs> best, their two good best players on offense both play the same position. Quarterback. Yeah, I, I mean, there's different. They're like most talented, maybe not the best, but the ones that might scare an opponent-wise. And it's tough. It's tough to play two quarterbacks at once unless you do something gimmicky. And I know Florida wants to play a gimmicky. Florida is just like, you know, hit or miss. So like the way they played against Alabama in that second half, you have to respect that. I mean, they were a really good team against a really good team for that half, but then they lose to Kentucky and LSU. So, yeah. Again, I just, I just, you can always talk about which team has the most talent. I mean, Georgia had the most talent today. And when you have a huge disparity, there's not a whole lot that can change it, you know, but, uh, when you're pretty close, a lot of times it comes down to motivations, narratives, guys trying to prove themselves, what you're playing for. And that's why I won't be – until Georgia beats Florida 38-3 to in two weeks, you know, then I won't feel comfortable about it because I know that I've seen too many situations where you take in a better team and you lose to a lesser squad who is just there to ruin it. I get, and it's not even Georgia-Florida. It's really Georgia-Auburn. Dave went to school at the same time I did. He's seen the same number of times where Georgia yeah. takes in a top team and Auburn screws it up for Georgia. You can't well, believe that about Auburn anymore, though, right? No, not right now. I'm just saying throughout we've the seen history, the dynamic play out. Throughout, throughout the history, history Georgia's always yeah. ruined Auburn, and Auburn's always ruined Georgia. Throughout, like from back in 1892 to today, it's like there's so many games that it's Auburn that screws up Georgia's like chances of winning in the SEC. Not, I mean, not. I'm not saying like in the SEC and the national title and, history, and, and, yes, but the last the 15 title. years, no. But he, but Roddy was saying history, yeah, so we. Yeah. I mean, I didn't say the last that. 15 years. I didn't qualify. Yeah, Roddy is an old fart. Yeah, as a yeah, fact, I, I am. I, I'm 49 years old and uh, drunk <laughs> on uh, Buffalo Trace. So that's I was born. That's no selfers today, man. Roddy. Oh, you didn't bet the over under on that today. And no Bud Light selfers today, Roddy. Oh no, yo, I had a bunch of those before we started. So, uh, hey, well, uh, we're going to have to kick Jed out of the uh, press box here in a minute. So, uh, Jed, tell everybody what you've been doing for UGA Sports today so that we can continue paying your salary. Continue? <laughs> Start. I mean, you better justify it really quickly because <laughs> – Oh, okay. Uh, well, woke up this morning and got here and – Okay, he's out. Just, just, he, just, he's hey, wait, 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 wait. <laughs> I, got, I got one more thing. This will just bring me back. I am a – I am a Jack Podlesny missed extra point away from nailing my score prediction on the nose this week. 31 to 10. What? So he, did, he just didn't want you to win. You picked 31 what? So, 
31. So you 13. were wrong, is what you were saying. I was wrong, but I was Price is Right. I didn't go over. So you were the so. best. You were the best wrong guy. I'm the best. I loser. think Jed was the only one who had Kentucky covering in the predictions. He might have been the only one. I got called a clown on Twitter today because what? I tweeted. I don't know if y'all. Well, sorry about that. Y'all, That's y'all I didn't. Yeah, know. yeah it's, it's okay, Dwayne. <laughs> um, this, so I tweeted like Stetson Bennett had 179 yards, then JT Daniels on nine fewer attempts for just because I thought it was interesting. And this guy, this guy, That's um, fair. He, it's fair. It's just an observation. It's just numbers. Dave, you can appreciate that. Numbers don't lie. Um, and this guy, <laughs> this guy responded to it and said, oh, "This guy's a clown. He picked Clemson to beat us, and and now he's riding the Stetson hype train." Like, okay, dude. Thanks for subscribing. I guess, but whatever. So anyway, I feel like I'm going into the job now since I called it old Dash. I know Dash can appreciate getting invites with people on Twitter. So, but anyway, good luck, good luck, fellas. Hey, can I give a quick shout out to Jed because uh, yesterday at my uh, day job as the PR specialist at the Grady College of Journalism and Mass Communication, which is important to a lot of us uh, that are on this call, um, the Carmichael Sports Media Institute what had like a ribbon cutting and it was a cool ceremony. Jed showed up, and uh, he's an alum of the program. I'm not. It wasn't around when I was there. Uh, but Jed showed up as uh, an alumnus of the program and uh, celebrated with them and had conversations. We had a, a good chat afterwards, too. So uh, Jed is is remembering his roots and mm-hmm. supporting the next generation of sports storytellers. I'm from a small town, man. All I have is my roots. So shout out, shout yeah. out Culver GA back home. No, but he's a Browns fan, which sucks. No wonder. <laughs> No, uh, Jay, what else nope. are you writing? Because you told us you're working on no the tight end story. What else you got? Uh, yeah, tight ends. I got they said it. Um, that's coming later from Stetson Bennett, Cedric Van Bran, and um, James Cook. Um, Any questions stood out to you? Uh, James uh, Cook probably didn't no. say anything. He he said actually James Cook said someone asked him um, if he gets impressed watching the defense on the sidelines. He's like, yeah, man, I I watch them even when the coach is trying to talk. I I try to stay focused, and I just can't because I'm watching them making plays on the field. Um, and then. Couple comments about um, Kendall Milton's fumble, fumble recovery there in the first half that you know kind of got lost in the shuffle. That but that was incomplete. Then it wasn't. Then it was a fumble. Um, Stetson Bennett said he didn't think it was a fumble. Cedric Grandfrance said he thought it was, and he yelled at Kendall Milton go get the ball. So that was kind of interesting. But um, but yeah, so got that. Got tight ends, and then um, stay tuned for all the recruit reaction coming tomorrow for myself, Blaine, Ben, Trent, all of us. Um, bring, seeing what all the recruits thought this weekend. Awesome. Pray, I really appreciate it, Jed. Get yes, back sir. to work. I wasn't talking crap about James Cook. I want people to know that. But like when you're uh, in you this media space, that's Roddy I mean, guy. Yeah, Roddy thinks that James Cook like made the earth and that like the only I'm reason we go around he, the sun. He is has the capability of doing it, yes. Uh but like I say that because when you are around any of these news conferences, Zoom or in person or otherwise, uh, you kind of root for someone that is different or kind of makes it interesting or appears like they want to be there. James Cook is not one of those people that tends to have an interesting quote. Channing Tindall is one that like always has interesting things to say and he's excited to chat with people. But a, lot, but, but a lot of that has to do with their relationship with the press. So if you're James Cook and all of a sudden you have 47 cameras in your face, you know, and you don't know any of those guys. You just don't. You, hey, why take the chance of saying something stupid? You know, I'm not blaming James. No, Cook. no. I'm just saying, if I was in his role, I may do the exact same no, thing. No, I want to. I'm, just, I'm just, telling I, you, as a media I, I, member, I, I, I want someone that's that's like interesting yeah. in that moment. And right, it, it's hard to do because we're asking them, hey, be authentic and real in like a very sanitized, unreal environment, and be real so that we can get a crazy quote that we can take out of context to drive clicks. 
That's what that's what they're being asked to uh, do. That's and what other people may do. We don't do that. No, not not we, but I'm saying we as in general, the media, that's what they do. That's what a lot of people do. But I will say this with, about James Cook. We had him when he was being uh, recruited, you know, back. He was a FSU commit. He shows up at a camp, uh, rivals camp, and he's wearing a Georgia hoodie. And everyone thinks he's just trolling. And the kid doesn't have a trolling bone in his body. You know, he doesn't yeah. need to troll. He's like, I, I like Georgia. I like this hoodie. We're like, well, you know, we had he and I had a really good conversation and he was one on one. He was very forthcoming and gave great quotes when somebody else would walk up while I'm interviewing him and put another uh, microphone or something in his face. Different guy. He's like, OK, this is no this is no longer one on one conversation. And a lot of recruits are like that. Now, Channing Tindall. Channing's like, hey, everybody get in here. We're going to talk and we're going to have a good time, you know, and uh, they've seen it. They've worked for CBS. For folks that don't know, Dave works the, the CBS 330 game. He's been doing it for well over this a my 20th year. Two decades. I was going to say. Well, and then and like Dave especially sees it at SEC media days when yeah. they go in there and like they're in that moment really primed to be like media ready and media savvy. Yeah. So like if they want to be a piece of it, that's the place to do it. And after the game, sometimes like they're just not in that in that headspace. Well, yeah, Roddy, but- the one guy wait for Jalen Walker to get to Georgia. I mean, he's going to be like in the media. I've talked to him. He's as impressive as like. Yeah. I, I you don't see an interview that impressive. Him and Pierce Sperling, you can ask Blaine. I mean, they're just impressive kids. With their I'm excited about Jalen Walker, but I also want to hear Jalen Carter talk too. When's right, I want to hear that. But like well, Cedric here, let's, Van Pran is brilliant. Like I want yes. Van Pran yeah. out there. Well, let's do this. Uh, speaking of these are guys we like talking, and we're getting sideways from the folks that are paying attention there. So uh, are we? Yeah, they, nobody wants. Not everybody wants to hear the, the behind the scenes stuff. But yeah, I do want to give. They want. They want to hear everything about media. I want to hear a. Uh, Everybody call out your basically your player of the game. So we'll start with Dave because Dave's their stat guy and he'll be able to and he's laying Dave's laying in bed and we're talking. No, I'm, <laughs> Jesus Christ. I'm moving I'm Put moving around. On. We got yes, bed you are laying game. in bed. Like that he's is bed bed. Okay, my player of the game, I I'm the way he played that second half and got open and bulldogs bulldog over people. I'll go uh, Brock Bowers. I mean Okay. I never seen a um, like a tight end that wasn't that. I mean, he was a four star. He was supposed to be. He was good, but not great. But people have been talking about him over the summer, like you guys do on the Tuesday show. Um, but he he impressed me a lot. That's like one of the first times I saw him. And it's all all tight ends. Just put a big tight end. That that's what impressed me the most. Just the tight end position. Yeah. All right, Ben, player of the game, Jalen Carter for me. I thought on defense he was the star of the defense today, and he should have gotten a second sack for intentional grounding on the one that was fumbled. He should have gotten the intentional grounding. He got another sack on the runs. He blew up like two or three run plays in the backfield. He was a part of one of the, the blocked PAT. He was the one that blocked the PAT. I mean, he was all over the place. I, I would have to go Jalen Carter, and on offense would be Bowers. If you made me pick defense, I'd pick Nakobe Dean because he saved a touchdown with a single tackle um, when there was nothing behind him on that particular play. If you made me pick – I actually think I'd pick offense because I thought this was one of the few games that Georgia's had this year. I thought the offense went and won that game. Defense did its job, sure, but I thought offense in the second half really got it going to kind of set the tone. Yeah, the, de- um, the defense allowed as many points as they've allowed all year. So I, I, I would probably actually go yeah. with Stetson Bennett. <laughs> Um, he he played well. Didn't put the ball in harm's way. 
I thought he executed really well in the second half. And, and as much as anything, it's probably Todd Munkin, right? He caught a lot of great plays. Yeah. It and is, and, and, Kirby, and Kirby mentioned Munkin after the game as well. Yeah, good. What about uh, you, we'll Roddy? Have, we'll actually call up the – we'll pull up the Kirby Smart's press conference here in a minute. We'll watch it together. I'll let you guys duck out if you need to. But uh, we'll definitely let everybody who's watching this show watch it. We'll, we'll make fun of Kirby as he talks. But for me, the uh, play of the game, and this could sound weird, is only one play, but I'm going to go in with Kendall Milton. The diving on that ball—that's the play of the—that's the play of the changes game. the entire outcome of the game. I know it sounds silly to point to one and get. If anybody's ever heard me talk before, and I don't like being on TV, and I don't like doing this stuff, but it's it's the job. BS, you love now, dude. The I, I, tr- the dude, I was just, I'm a photographer. I'm supposed to be behind the camera. <laughs> the best thing I do is have a little name at the bottom of the screen. Photo by. That's that's all the accreditation I want. But it's the job. Uh, I never, I, I get furious when someone says this guy cost us the game. When it's the last play of the game and a guy drops a pass, uh, people that would bang on uh, Terrence Edwards for Florida, people that bang on uh, Chris Conley for the Georgia Alabama game. I'm like, you had you ran 78 other plays that could have resulted in a touchdown, but you know you're going to blame <laughs> one guy for it. It always ticks me off. But I'm telling you, when that game is in doubt and there's a questionable there. Georgia not turning the ball over because Kendall Milton dies on that ball. And you go from what was a second and or third, second and 13 to third and four, whatever, yeah. because the ball moved forward. You, you picked it up. Now you had a, a pretty easy yeah, manual gained, third gained down. Nine in that play. How many times? Yeah, have you heard? I'm just how saying many, that was a heads up play. And how I many two was, Kentucky guys were standing right there yep. just looking. How many, they times, watched have the heard, ball, how many like, times have you heard play until you hear the whistle blow? And yeah. Kendall Milton did that. And he, did, I mean, he, the he referee actually walked over towards the ball. He watched the ball bounce and he walked over and stood over, like, I'm just going to wait till somebody jumps on this thing, you know? And then they jumped on it. He's like, okay, here's, here, and puts his foot down. Here's where the ball is. I'm like, okay. Pretty lenient refs in this game. I mean, I could see holding calls on both sides that weren't called, but then like uh, a lot of weird long reviews that kind of disrupted the game. Long reviews and no holding calls. Adam Anderson had his jugular ripped out in one of those plays, and they didn't call holding. That's that's a that's a little extreme. I don't think he actually had anything ripped out. I think it was. I think they. Had, oh, I think okay. Ron Corson had to glue it back in with a hot uh, glue gun. Staple gun. I missed staple, staple gun. Yeah, well, they are football players. You don't need a stapler for that. I mean, a glue gun for that. I did show up late to the watch along, so that's on me. Yeah. Well, I mean, you only had a job to do. So, oh, yeah. Uh, Michael Cagle says, uh, dude's got gaze mask. I'm sure he means face mask, but. Gaze mask. Let's make it a thing. Hey, man. You, you, Gagel's you probably had some of those Buffalo The F and G are very close together on the keyboard, so that maybe that's what happened. <laughs> yeah, Jeff Dyer. Oh, humble Roddy, they call him. Look, I'm. Look, it, it, when a perfect world, you guys are doing this show, and I'm uh, uh, having chicken in the back back room here, a little fried chicken. Uh, Dave, you work with CBS, so give me what what is behind the scenes. What does CBS think of you, George, right people, now? People love. I mean, surprise, surprise. People love the defense. Um, yeah. They say it's the fastest defense they've been around um especially for georgia um they're comparing it to some of the alabama defenses in the past they've um it's something like and it's, it's not just three four guys it's five six seven eight guys how, how many people they are um are they so they're 
on offense, they, they like it. They, they like it a lot. Um, is it as smooth as it could be? No, but they also say, and, and I agree, there's a lot of people out. There's a lot, they don't, they're not playing with a full potential right now. Um, but the defense, they just marvel, all like gushing about how many players are like first round capability and how good they all could be. And they said the future on this defense is going to get better and better. The Dodgers just hit a home run, by the way. Sons of bitches. Will Smith, the, the other Will Smith. Each I can't stand baseball Smith. teams with huge budgets. I just can't. You want a salary cap? Yeah, I mean, I'm an Orioles fan. We've been the worst <laughs> team in baseball for five years in a row. Did I see that, like, Trey Mancini, like, may not come back? Yeah. Oh, it's bad. It's oh, so bad. I'm sorry, buddy. Let's just, I keep um, hearing this farm system. Well, we got this big farm system. Well, nobody's coming up anytime soon. Like, what's oh, you got the, I, no, number you one pitching prospect. You got, you got, you got, coming coming up. You got Andy coming up and catching pretty soon. Adley Rutschman. Adley Rutschman's a big time catcher. Yeah. I think he's going to be the best catcher in MLB, but I don't think he's coming up for another two years. I hear the pain and scars in your voice. I'm sorry. Orioles fan. Is, is no, it's bad. Person. I'm pulling for the Braves, though. Over our, the Red Sox. Can't stand the Red Sox and the Yankees. And then the Dodgers. I mean, they, I mean you, you got like a billion-dollar budget. Like, screw those teams. I mean, honestly, they just pay for whoever they want. Screw those teams. Hey, Roddy, can I make fun of a media member? Sure. Go nuts. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, hey, well, how drunk are you? Because I don't want to – I don't. I don't have a libel suit. It won't be a libel suit. Okay, um, I'm just saying. You know, hey, Doctor Lee, he told me he's libel and slander. And you know, back in the wait, day. wait. Do I sound drunk? No, I just want to be sure because you know. Bill Lee. Don't. Tremendous. That's why I had to ask. If, Are you I, talking if about Doctor Lee with libel and libel? No, Bill Lee is a legend. He is. I, I hate that son of a bitch. Okay, Ben. Do you know who we're talking about? Yes. You know, Bill, okay. Uh, they, they did. I took a communication law professor at the communication University of law Georgia. Professor at University of Georgia. He recently retired, actually. Good. He can't torment people anymore. I used so to don't get me wrong. The tennis matches, too. This, this guy has saved my career m- multiple times because I'm yeah. like, oh, Bill Lee would not agree with this. He will, he has a unique teaching style. And I, I remember him saying, if you have a 90 in the class. You only had two tests. If you have a 90 in the class, you don't have to take the final. And I'd scored an 88 and a 90 on the two tests. So I had an 89. But he also said 10% of your grade is participation. And he participated me every day. I had no choice in it. So I went to him. I'm like, hey, I got an 89, but I've got a damn good participation grade. Does that equal a 90? He's like, I'll see you Tuesday for the exam, Mr. Nabolsi. I'm like, son of a bitch. Uh he so gave go ahead, us extra go ahead points. and get a suit. Yeah, go ahead. He, he gave us extra points if we knew what was on the Waffle House menu, like the ways you, you <laughs> get your uh, hash your hash browns. Uh, so done. he softened up in uh, in the uh, later years, I suppose. Later years, yeah. uh, anywho, um, I'm not a fan of Clay Travis at all, and my Twitter feed tells you that as much. And if you are, that's fine, whatever. I like him. Uh, but this is uh, the Fox, like, or I guess this is Outkick that they do. This is their yeah. tailgate setup. I don't know if you can really tell. But they're off Broad Street, right in front of Sauce House. And Sauce House is fine. It's great. So I'm yeah. not like disparaging Sauce House. But what I'm telling you is that if you're going to do a show in Athens on like one of the most beautiful campuses on the entire <laughs> planet, you probably don't want to go to Broad Street. And you probably want to get like on campus where there's some like greenery or something. And um, 
my tweet to them and, and there's this guy on Twitter named Bunky Perkins. That's an old Miss fan that like, I don't know Bunky and I don't want to know Bunky because there's, if I got to know Bunky, it's going to be worse in real life than whatever I've imagined this wonderful human to be based on the sense of humor that we have. Um, if you're going to do a, a tailgate in Athens and you're going to do it on Broad Street, you might as well go out to like the Athens Square Mall out beside that like Zaxby's or whatever. Not disparaging Zaxby's at all, but I'm just saying Athens is like four billion locations that are better looking than what they ended up choosing. And when I drove by it on the way to the Grady College tailgate uh, for homecoming, they had like 17 people there and it looked like they were trying to get on a bus or something. One so. thing, Dane, um, and, and I agree with almost everything you said about all that stuff, but um, I've on my trips around the SEC this year, covering with on um, with CBS, um, Clay Travis and his bus has been there probably about three times at least, and they'll be there at the at cocktail party also coming up. Um, they always go to a bar. They they set up at uh, I mean smokehouse. So they chose Sauce House of all the bars in Athens. Expo. Hey, hey a, I will tell you that they how, have. How you, how you gonna put a bus somewhere? Yeah, I agree. That that's I, I, look. I love Sauce House. It has great food. No, that I don't sweet think tangy barbecue sauce. I'll do shots. Well, we can do that. that, that that's a questionable pick. I'm with Dane. That, that that's all. Where, 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 where are you gonna <laughs> where are you gonna put the Clay Travis bus? Clay Go to Academia Brewing Company. It's fantastic. Don't ask Dane where he's gonna put that bus. Yeah, I w- especially, especially with the construction downtown, it's straight into a burning <laughs> inferno of, of fire. Yeah. Like, have you seen the like caricature that's on the side of that oh, damn it's terrible. bus? It's I, terrible. I, 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 it's Clay Travis's head on like a body with like full sleeve tattoos or like a really built, like worked out body that's obviously not like Clay. Is he on Big Noon Kickoff? Do they ever he ever film on there? Yeah, oh, I never fan. watch kick, Big Noon Kickoff. I'm not gonna lie. So I, I I never see him. My only disparaging comment is I've been around him once or twice at like uh, SEC championships and like off camera and on camera. I just found him to be like a different person. So I'll stop at that because people can have their own opinions. And like he's obviously gone toward like a, a political super conservative space. And I'm not trying to talk about that. All I'm saying is that like I make fun of him relentlessly on Twitter and I really enjoy it. Yeah. That's that's fun. Make making fun of that's all, all Twitter is. Twitter is a cesspool where we, where we rip on each other. That's, that's I hope people will make fun of me relentlessly like that too. Because the uh, best, the best had to be if anyone remembers the reason why I love the dog vent was the Darren Ravel when he was bashing Georgia having like 25% capacity and someone showed him at like the Hawks game getting crossed over or something like that. Was the best. I, I think that was on Twitter too. Or him running a 40 time that was tremendous. <laughs> Because, like, Rich Eisen can actually run a little bit. Darren Ravel looks like he hasn't run in 40 years. Yeah. <laughs> I, um, I'm Sorry I've taken I'm, the show off the rails. No, it's okay. We, we can go off the rails whenever we want. It's, uh, I'm probably about to bail on this anyway because my computer battery is falling away. So, uh, yeah, maybe for, like, five minutes. All right. Um, we talked about uh, – I was trying to call it the Kirby – Press conference here. I wonder if Kirby said anything worth a damn after the game. And I don't mean that in a mean way. It's just Dave. Did the, you uh, hear his news conference? I don't even. I know. didn't hear the news. I heard the interview he did with um, Jamie Erdahl. And then, like I said, he was comp- he was he was complimentary about the team. He, and he complimented Monk and, uh, on some of the play calls and that he he made and stuff like that. And he he thanked the crowd and stuff. But he, he did a lot of coach speak and stuff like that. I yeah, will that's... say because we have a lot of people that watch our watch along show because they don't like listening to Gary Danielson. Fine, whatever. You have your opinions. What I will tell you is that Brad Nessler, he's kind of like low key, secretly a Georgia fan, uh, like off off the grid. I, I don't know if I should say that, and maybe Dave, you should duck and cover. But like the one time I've been around him, and Dave's been around him like a ton more than I have. 
Like he talks about how he loves living in Atlanta and has connections to like UGA. I, so, I I went to his lake house one time and we were riding like in a boat and all around the boat there was like Georgia like Georgia flags on the on the other boats and there was other other SEC teams. But every time there was a Georgia um, flag, I always like got the phone and played the fight song, the Georgia fight song. Like as it, every time we went by the boat and stuff like that. So, but yeah, there's there's a lot of Georgia fans that surround him. So maybe he he pulls from them, but. I mean, he's a professional, but I mean, he lives in Atlanta long enough. Some, some things might happen. Hey, can we go ahead and start the uh, – Nicobe Dean's brought this up, and I mentioned it on uh, uh, on Twitter at some point. Can we go ahead and start the Jordan Davis uh, Heisman uh, trophy campaign? I disagree with that. Is, I'm sorry. Jordan Davis if he was a three-down player, I would vote for him. That's why he doesn't play in the downs. He don't need to play three downs. He, he he's so disruptive on first and second. That's that's and plenty. He's got to win, no. he's got to win the Atlin Trophy at least. I agree with that. Yes, I agree with Dane totally. You, you have to be a three down player. Jalen Carter. Jalen Carter made the impact. Maybe even no, though I dude, you don't understand. Nice you do Jordan Davis he's, this year, Jalen Carter next year. You have to pace yourself, man. You but but look yourself. at this, Terrell Suggs, and I may be biased because he's arguably. Like my favorite player ever. I love Terrell Suggs. Yeah, he had, so he had like biased. 23 sacks or something like that at Arizona State, and he wasn't even a Heisman finalist, I don't think. This so is Arizona State. Who the hell cares about that? If any Cody, like, he had like 23 sacks, Roddy. Come yeah, on. against like five year olds, man. They play, he plays no, in the no, 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 no. Pac 12 was better in the early 2000s. It was better. You would see the dominance. Everybody in the Pac 12 would have been like the 16th best team in the SEC. And Adama Kasu didn't win the Heisman either. That's the one. He should have won it. The should have had a high end, Roddy, and you know that. And Jordan Davis, I'm sorry, he doesn't have the production. So we don't allow past injustices to create future injustices. It's so, not an injustice for Jordan Davis. He doesn't play enough. So, and Roddy, look at the stats. You know, Lamar Jackson. Hold on, hold on, Roddy. Look, didn't Lamar Jackson win at Louisville? I mean, look at the numbers Lamar put up, and he was at Louisville. Louisville's worse than Arizona State, in my opinion, and he won a Heisman. And that team was not a anywhere near the playoff because he put up crazy numbers. This is one of those years. It's going to be off of whoever puts up crazy numbers. I think it's going to be a running back this year. If you had to ask me, I think it's going to be Michigan State's running back. Defensive tackles never put up big numbers. You're talking what will happen. I'm talking what should happen. But, Roddy, are you trying to pick the best player off the best team? Because if you're doing that, I don't think it's Jordan Davis. No, again, I'm I'm pacing myself. I want – Jordan Davis this year and Jalen Carter next year. I'm sure that's what you want, but like that's the way it should be. Next year hasn't even started, and you're calling Jalen Carter next year's Heisman already? Oh yeah, he's got to be on. Hey, lock it down. Make the hey what Dane Dave when we went out to Vegas, who did you place the bet? Did you go? Who was number one on the Heisman Trophy (laughs) list? It wasn't Jordan Davis. No, but who was? This was, year? Oh, it's D, was yeah. it uh, DJ? It was Spencer. a young little late, right? Spencer? Or, it was Spencer Rattler. Sam Howell? Oh, guys, you both picked up the same list that I did. This year? Yeah. Talking Sam Howell? JT Daniels. He wasn't number one. He was up in the top five. He was five. number one. It was Rattler. I support it Rattler Dave. It was, it was Spencer Rattler. Yeah, he wasn't. He was up there. But I have wasn't. the photo. I'm going to make you look like a fool. JT was do fourth. It, do it, tweet it out right now. And say, say Dave and Dane are dumb. They, they, I think it went, hashtag, it went hashtag, they Rattler, DJ, Bryce Young, JT, and then I think it was Crowler Hal was fifth. Which the day we were out at the um, – we, we you and – Dave, you and Patrick wound up eating that uh, sandwich joint. 
We went to New York, New York for that. For, uh, yeah, yeah. For sandwiches. I can't take. Maybe so we were in New York, New York, and we were in the uh, the sports book there, and they had you know, they had all the little sheets you could pick it up, and it was a Heisman Trophy list, and the top guy was JT Daniels. I'm like, what the hell's going on here? I can't take many victory laps, but one that I've been pretty consistent on, that JT Daniels is not a Heisman candidate, although I said DJ Uyunglele is, and that's obviously <laughs> wrong. Uh, but, like, Ooh. JT's not. And so, and, and in part because he's not playing. So, like, that's a big reason yeah. you got to play to begin that conversation. Yeah. And how many of those I don't know who's five, in the Heisman conversation. How many of those top five? All, well, like, who should be? That's what I'm saying. According to Kobe Dean, we right. should have uh, – Davis on that. Let's, no. let's start the Jordan Davis for Heisman campaign. No, Roddy, I, I truly believe this. I think if George Pickens was healthy from game one and played every season, he would win the Belenikoff this year. No. I believe that. He'd have a shot, well, for you, sure. You should. Because I entered the year saying – But here's the thing, that, how much do you throw to him when you got Bama all those does, other guys? Pickens would have been like at least a quarter of the offense, and we look at how good Georgia is. They would probably have given it to Pickens, I think. I don't think oh, it's like a runaway, but I, I think he would would have won it. Uh, I don't. I mean, he he probably would end up like with forty or fifty receptions, but that never equates to like like Georgia doesn't throw to one person over and over and over again, and that's hard. It's hard to get yeah. national pub if you're only getting like forty or fifty receptions in a year. He averaged around a hundred yards of JT though last year. Is there a scenario where Caleb Williams is so good in the second half of the season that he snags a Heisman as a freshman? Yes. I would vote for him. I, I, I would say I mean, that's an indictment of as much as like there hasn't been a standout candidate in the first half. I, I agree with Dane. What he's just, I mean, there hasn't, he might win just because he's, if he's dominant the rest of the half, because nobody worthwhile has been dominant the first half. That's, that's in contention. I mean, you think about some of those names that have fallen out of contention Sam Howell, JT Daniels, DJ, Spencer Rattler, DJ, DJ Uyangalala. I just keep saying it because I can. Uh, You're good at prove it. that I learned how. Thank you, Dave. But, but DJ, no, that was like, bad. That was bad. I mean, Clemson, dude, that's the was thing so is, rough you, on Friday. Yeah, that was the most boring. They had the most boring offense I've ever seen in my life. I, I I was half asleep watching the game. I woke up and like this game's still on. Braves. Wait, Austin Riley hit a homer. Yes, sir. Two two Braves Dodgers. I'm about to bail on you guys and go watch that thing. I right, screw <laughs> you, man. I love y'all. Dodgers better right. lose. See you, Dave. Appreciate it. Thanks. All right, now he's gone. We can talk about him. We can make fun oh, of him. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, you have the press oh, conference stuff you said? Yeah. If you guys don't mind, I kind of would like to play the press conference if anybody wants to check it out. So let me Wait, do the – So no Trent tonight? So no future cast flips for transfers tonight, Roddy, with no Trent? Nah. Why is Trent not here? Well, I'm saying that Aluba thing, man. I want no, that doesn't I, count. Remember, he has to be a transfer. Like, remember, we already predicted Spencer Atler. Yeah. I already have a prediction in for Ole Miss. Remember uh, last that, week? That, that would make sense. What the hell? Yeah, this Ole Miss is beating up on Tennessee right now, 24 to 9. Oh, that's not good. I thought Tennessee was supposed to be this great offensive juggernaut. No, the, that, nine the, guy points. the guy who said that's gone. He can't say that. <laughs> Yeah, sorry, I gotta clean up. Roddy, I think me and you talked about it earlier as you put up the the press conference. Um, like look at who Tennessee put up points on. Missouri and Tennessee. I mean, Missouri and South Carolina are bad. They're really bad. Um, so they haven't put up points on a good defense, even though Ole Miss is a bad defense, still they haven't really beaten a good even a competitive team. 
They ain't played nobody. They, they really Car- didn't play anybody. Speaking of South Carolina, what's up with the win in the last minute of the game to beat Vandy? <laughs> with the graduate assistant having to come in the game. <laughs> oh, I wanted Vandy to win that game. Hey, Who's, who the, said? I think it was Patrick Garvin said Vandy was the worst like Power Five team he's watched, or someone said that was like the worst Power Five team they've watched like ever. Now I said that the. Uh, that was the greatest disparity between SEC talents that I've seen in 28 years. I've been doing this a long time. The talent level that Georgia has versus the talent level that Vanderbilt has was probably the greatest gap I've seen in almost three decades. Mm-hmm. And I said, I said Georgia would be able to pick the score. I said it could be 70 to nothing if Georgia wants it to be. It was 62 to nothing. <laughs> I almost wanted them to go ahead and just punch it in so I could say uh, – and then go for two so that we could say it was 70 nothing. But All right, uh, give me a second here. I'm going to go ahead and uh, play this real quick. Our guys today, uh, that was a really physical football team we played. I don't – every single time we play them, it's just – it's tough. Uh, Mark, you know, they, they play tough, hard-nosed football. Uh, they do a tremendous job, all three phases, and um, they don't make many mistakes. And when you have a team like that, you have to you know, beat them methodically, and uh, it's tough. They got a really good football team. So, proud of our guys. I thought our DNA showed through. Our DNA continues to repeatedly show up. Composure, connection, resiliency, and toughness. Those those qualities come through in this team. You know, halftime, nobody was panicked. Nobody was you know nervous. It's hey, it's a physical football game. We're gonna stay aggressive. Uh, keep coming at them. And uh, give them a lot of credit. They got a good football team. And I'm proud of our guys and the way so many players have risen up and uh, rose to the occasion. All right. Kirby's basically there talking about, you notice he mentions halftime. Like I said, that first half was different. You know, this was a team that came out and kind of went toe to toe with Georgia. Yeah, you went in with a lead 14 to seven, but this was not a, uh, you know, it, it could have been 21 to seven, but it also, they were, Georgia knew they were in for a fight and they knew they were getting the ball back in the second quarter, but this was not like the Arkansas game. This is the first time that Georgia has been really tested. Is that fair, fair to say? No, I mean, the first couple of drives was pretty much even until the James Cook scored that touchdown wise, yeah. but I mean, not drives like, Hey, they're both doing well, but drives like it was, uh, Kentucky was frustrating Georgia. Yeah. They were. They took away the first down. They kept uh, bringing up those uh, linebackers and just stopping Georgia's run. And Georgia's thinking, well, we can go out and run it. You know, run it on them. No, they they took that away. And then you had a few drops. Both sides did. So it just didn't feel like the game wasn't put away by any means going into halftime. And Kirby mentions there said, hey, this is a tough team. They're very physical, and my guys had that resiliency. In other words, I think that first half scare was good because. I don't say Georgia was put into adversity, but they were tested a little bit. And Ben, they they answered the bell in the second half. Yeah, they came out in the second half. It was I feel like they kind of calmed down. And I think that the confidence like we looked at and this was something I was gonna bring up earlier with you, Roddy, about Stetson. And I just think for my eyes, when we had this talk earlier about Stetson, is he better or not this year? He when he showed it when he was doing the finger guns. Like Stetson is more confident this year. I think that's one thing. He looks more confident because he's getting the first team reps. Georgia had a lot of confidence in the second half, or early on, I think they were kind of feeling out Kentucky, and Kentucky was throwing a bunch of wrinkles at them. And then Georgia got settled in and the game was over. Yeah. 
That's very fair. All right, let's go back to Coach uh, uh, Smart and his post-game comments. With that, I'll open it up. Kirby, uh, one thing that stands out about Todd Munkin's play calling is that he, he rides the run or the pass depending on what's working, kind of zigs when he zags. What, what can you say about how he's called plays this season and this game in particular? Well, I think he's done an incredible job. When you think about the guys he's had in, I mean, he's taken – you know, tight ends, made a multiple. He's taking backs. Uh, he's taking wide outs that, that, you know, that weren't necessarily early season starters and done a really good job. I mean, you think about it, he's uh, he's called the game with what you call it to play at players, right? Not plays, but players. And when you dial up 19 and 84 and, and four and three and those guys continue to make plays five, I mean, he does a good job of uh, keeping defenses off balance. Very, very fair assessment. Very fair assessment on what Todd Monk has done, keeping people guessing. Kirby, I want to ask you about the uh, the uh, field goal block and the PAT block. Um, you know, how much is that practiced? And uh, did you think at all about uh, accepting the penalty, which obviously turned out to be uh, fortunate that you guys uh, had a chance to block that? What was that uh, on the? I don't understand on the penalty. Yeah, we we, we, pra we practice blocking field goals. <laughs> we we practice that all the time. So you know we've been really close this year. We just haven't gotten any. Um, I guess you're talking about the penalty that we could have accepted and backed them up further. Yeah. At that point in time, they're doing us a favor by kicking the field goal when we have the lead. So I mean, all we were going to do is give them two more shots, possibly at the end zone, or one more shot at the end zone, and the field goal. Field goal is doing us a favor. So I, I don't. I don't see it as an advantage to back them up and give them another shot at the end zone. And I always think we have an opportunity to block a field goal because we've got uh, people that care about points. We, we say that, that field goal block is part of red zone defense. You want to be good at red zone defense, block field goals. And uh, there's nothing, wor nothing worse or more demoralizing for a team than to get a field goal block. Guys, I, I really think that was the straw that broke the camel's back. So – Kentucky's trying to get back into this game. You know, you're, they're not down that far. They get a good drive. They go to kick it. And shout out to Jim Donnan, who called what was going to happen. He's like, they're going to come block this one. And I'm like, yeah. I, of course, you know, I take a, a cue off of what Coach Donnan said. And I just remember Jordan Davis having some blocks earlier. And I thought he's going to come up with that giant paw of his and just – you know, There's like three guys could go block. Could've exactly, and hey, shout out to Devontae White. Go Decatur, and Decatur gets in there and blocks it. But <laughs> uh, I thought that was just a hell of a uh, uh, a spirit breaker for them. Am I wrong? No, I mean, I mean, those. Uh, they thought they were going to. Any, anytime you think you're going to score and score that, it's like pretty easily, and then something like that happens, you, you get like, you get like your whole team gets flustered and you have to start over. I agree hundred percent. Well, just also Roddy, like they just overwhelmed Kentucky on those field goal blocks. It was like, there was like three guys in there. It wasn't like Jordan Davis just bullied somebody. It was like Davis, White, and Carter all just yeah. ran. Well, they, they lined up. I mean, they practiced it. They, they knew they were going after it. So they actually put in a plan. They looked, they scouted Kentucky's uh, field goal system. You know, they're, they're the way they line up. And they actually designed a play for it, just like they did with Dan Jackson to block that punt against Arkansas. They said, okay, we're going to call the punt block. And so they actually designed something to catch Kentucky off guard. And they knew that guy took a long time to kick. They said, hey, we have a chance to get to this. And they did, and they blocked it. And I think that was just the – it's just a backbreaker, as, as Kirby kind of mentions there. So 
Anyway, let's uh, continue with Kirby Smart real quick. Let's go to Mike Griffith and then to Chip Towers. Kirby, obviously the, the defense was, was really strong all day, but it don't often see 22 play touchdown drives. The, the final drive, how much of that is trading basically time for yardage there in that situation? We, do you play it a little different if, if you're not running down the clock trying to win a football game there? I mean, I was talking to Dan during the drive, just telling him that we're eating clock, we're fine, be patient. But it wasn't like it was strategy. I mean, they did a good job. You know, they, they were they were keeping us off balance. They were nickel and diamond us. We had a couple times to get off. It's different when you have four downs. Now, I don't know how many times on that drives they used four downs, but you have to play third down differently because third down becomes second down and fourth down becomes third down. And we didn't get them to fourth down, but maybe once, I'm not sure. And it was a, it was real short, you know. Uh, but I, I love the way our guys play. They take so much pride, and and we, you know, they've started to say in on our 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 defense that you know not in our end zone, no one in our end zone, and they they fought tooth and nail. But give Kentucky credit, they they got in there twice. I really want to ask you about the offense, and it just obviously you guys opened it up at halftime, like what you saw and what was discussed there. I'm just throwing more and throwing to the tight end a lot. But I did want to ask on the, on the defense, just calling the timeout with a few seconds left to play and all that, did you have any problem with kind of the way the game ended? No, I had, play, yeah, I had a problem with the end of our players. You got runs on the field, undisciplined. Uh, we'd be blocked in the back on the return there because you can return that kick for two points, and uh, that would have been great to score on defense, which we take a lot of pride on. But, I mean, I, that my problem was our reaction to the moment and not keeping a good level head on our shoulders. That's my problem. I, I, I respect Marsh got a job to do. He, he's trying to compete and score. I mean, why not? Um, that's what he's trying – as he came here to do is win the game and score points. So, I mean, I, I respect that. They had a long drive uh, there. Guys, I think that's uh, Kirby Smart being very gracious because I don't think that he was as uh, appreciative of that uh, uh, situation as he says there. He's, oh, yeah, it's perfectly understandable, but I think it really pissed him off. Well, per Blaine's sources, there were middle fingers going up. So maybe, <laughs> you know, we'll see there, depending on maybe Blaine's source was wrong there, but which is his eyes. Um but, yeah, you know, Kirby was really hard on Jalen Carter. I think mainly he's talking about Jalen Carter more so than the guy coming on the field because he was giving him a lot of crap for – he basically, like, punched the guy's helmet. So he's lucky he got away with that. And I remember he was really hard on Jalen Carter on the side. But he, Kirby does bring up a good point. There's some chippiness out there that these guys need to drop. You know, yeah. they're prideful. They're – they talk too much crap. Okay. Mm-hmm referees hear it and then when they see you get to push a match they're like oh you guys were chipping each other all day and they throw a flag just be above them and kirby made a great point in the postgame comments to uh cbs dave dave can correct me because i'm sure you heard it but it was basically like pretend like you've been here before and and you're exactly right and i mean but the thing like the chippiness that's happened probably since the day one and you keep on saying well players need to learn players need to learn Will players learn? I mean, I mean, it, it's you always you always see uh, like a stupid penalty, and then oh well, I got to learn better. But do they? Or I mean, yeah. it always seems to happen. Uh, there are times. I mean, you Justin Schaefer running down, grabbing, tackling a guy thirty yards downfield. You take a fifty-nine yard touchdown, you make it into a twenty-five yard gain. Kirby yells about composure, and I know when I hear him talking about it, and we'll bring on Anthony Dasher in a second. Uh, 
it just kind of washes over me. I'm like, oh, t- coaches talking about composure and toughness and stuff like that. It just sounds like a cliche, but Kirby's not going to do all the cliche. Now, he'll do some cliche coach speak. Yeah. But when he's banging on composure, he's like, don't be a Rico McGraw. Don't run onto <laughs> the field and cost us the game against Tennessee. Don't it's something, cost us- it's something when you do it in a 20, 30 point game, but when it's a seven point game or a three point game, that's when it's going to backfire. Yeah. Yeah. All right, uh, let's let's bring on Anthony Dasher here for a second. Hey, Dash, we're kind of going through the press conference here. We're going over Kirby Smart's comments and such, mm-hmm. but uh, we're going to let you break into it because we want to get your thoughts. You've written 750 stories for uh, UGA Sports tonight. We know you're trying to uh, – you, you've had a long day, <laughs> but I kind of give us your thoughts on this game. I, in my 3-2-1 column, when I got down to the prediction part, I said, look, this game can go two ways. It could be an absolute blowout like we've seen against Arkansas and some of these other teams, or Kentucky can make this a game just because they're physical. Um, they've they've got some tools. They've got a good running back. They've got a good wide receiver. They're well coached. They're hell. They're six zero. They're number eleven team in the country. You shouldn't expect to blow out the number eleven team, but they are. Georgia for some reason is a twenty one point favorite, and we saw that the first half it was tight. Second half it was a blowout. Mm-hmm. Uh, what did you see from the press box? I'll say one thing first. Kentucky, I'm not so sure they're not the, the best team that Georgia's played you know, this year. I, I'm i not going to be shocked to see the Wildcats finish the year 11-1 and one and go to a New Year's Day Bowl. I think they're that good. Yeah. I really do. Um, physicality, like you said, was, was a huge part. I mean, you know, Georgia had hurt. And, you know, Stetson, funny enough, Stetson Bennett even talked about, about this. How can, you know, they knew Kentucky was going to come in, want to play physical ball and, 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 and try to – you know, outman them, which, uh, you know, defense got word of that and uh, took exception and whatnot. And I think overall, Georgia, you know, played a very, you know, physical game. Uh, you know, the fact you hold, you know, Kentucky again, which is leading, you know, one of the top SEC rushing teams, uh, Chris Rodriguez leading the league in Russia, and they hold them, what, just 51 yards on the ground. That's pretty impressive. I mean, Georgia did exactly what they needed to do. But I heard y'all mentioning, you know, when I, when I came in, some of the – the mistakes, the penalties that really cost us, you know, kept this game from being a wider margin and, you know, what it, you know, what it wound up, wound up being. Uh, and those are things that, that Coach Smart is going to really kind of hammer home now. He's got him, he's got him some meat, got him up, some meat on the bone yes. and chew on the rest yep, of the absolutely. year now. He could point they, they, to they, guys, they hey guys, look, yeah, hey guys, look at the, you know, we, they, 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 he's going to say, hey, we talk about, you know, pressure is a privilege, whatnot. Uh, there were some times in this game today where the pressure may have got, you know, I don't, I don't know if I back up, me back up. I was the pressure got to them, but they made some some uncharacteristic mistakes, uh, penalties that could cost them, you know, in, in, in bigger games. And those are the type of things they need to wipe out, get out of their system, because you know you get to the game of Florida, you you get into the SEC championship game. God forbid you get to the playoffs and have something like that happen that could 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 ruin you and cost your season and and whatnot. So those are the things I think moving forward you're really going to see Coach Smart. And his coach would really hammer home to get those things corrected. Dash, you've been doing this a long time, uh, longer than me. Uh, you've seen the unexpected happen, and you've heard a lot of coach speak. And what I was talking about this right before you came on was Kirby talking about that composure. And it, to me, this this composure comment of his does not feel like – he's been on championship teams. Mm-hmm. He's coached championship teams at Alabama. He knows what it takes for Georgia – and he's seen stupid things like that happen. And yeah. when he tears into Devontae White, when he tears into Jalen Carter, when he tears into some of these guys, I don't think it's just him being mad. I think it's him trying to coach 
towards that title. Yeah, and he tore into Brock Bowers too, missed a block uh, down in the goal line. I, I missed that. Yes, he yeah. did. That that, that uh, is one of one. I You're think it's one where Zamir, when when Zamir was, I think I think it was Zamir was or was it James Cook was knocked down in the backfield that inside the ten yard line. Uh, That's right. Brock, Brock missed a, a block that would have. I think it was James Cook. It would have sprung for another touchdown. He was living. Yeah. He came up the field, kind of, kind of got in Brock's face, saying, "Look, man, you can't. This kind of things we cannot do." And like you said, he got in Devontae's, Devontae's face. He got in several players' faces about those type of mistakes and. And uh, they'll continue to do that, I'm sure, in practice uh, this week and lean up to that game in Jacksonville here in two. The reason I bring that up because Dave made a good point. It's like, yeah, every time these guys make a mistake like that, they're like, I'll, I'll learn from it. I'll get better about it. we got to stop doing stuff like that. But you've seen the same damn crap. Yeah, you better stop Stop, stop yesterday is the way Kirby's seen it right now. If you want to win a national title, it's not just an SEC title. If you want to win a national championship, you got to cut that stuff out two days ago. I mean, you don't need to be doing yeah. that, that seven games into the season. And it makes a point, and uh, Ben can attest to this. When you saw those Alabama teams under uh, Nick Saban, they teams get chippy with them. They don't seem to get chippy with other guys. They don't throw punches at the end. They don't, uh, after the game, they don't talk a lot of crap. They get crap talked to them, and they'll try to finish it. But you don't see them really getting into that whole uh, shoving stuff after a game. They're like, look, we are the best. You have to knock us off. And I think that's what Kirby's trying to do, but – Hey, Jordan, this is Georgia's first week being number one, so they're, they're at, it's going to take some adjustments to get used mm-hmm. to it. All right, uh, stick with us, Dash. We're going to bring up Kirby for a little bit more here. I know you sat through this before, but we like your commentary sure. you know, on some of the things he says. In the offense, uh, uh, opening up in the second half offense. Oh, yeah. I, I'll be honest with you, Chip. It wasn't like we get in there and said, oh, man, we got to throw the ball. I mean, we didn't say that. We they, we ran the ball. We had some good runs in the first half, you know. We had some negative lost yardage plays that hurt us, put us behind the chains. But, you know, it's not like – I mean, I, I say it all the time. Be aggressive. Take what they give you. And if they continue to lower the safeties, put them in the box, and, you know, they were they were bent on, on not letting us run the ball, which I really think we could run the ball. But if it's if it's easier to throw it and it keeps them off balance and uh, and you're rolling, we did a good job in the passing game and uh, didn't do as much as didn't do as good early in the passing game as maybe we should have. All right, let's go to Anthony Dasher and then we'll come back to uh, Ivan Mazel. Again about the uh, defense stand at the end of the third quarter and again at the end of the game where the guys don't fall fall like heck you know keep them out. How how do those three examples kind of speak to that DNA that you're talking about that they would really bust their tail so much to keep the other team out of the end zone? It's just pride. It's pride in performance. It's a standard of excellence that that we won't it doesn't matter if it's offense, defense or special teams. You know, like you go out there, you compete at your highest level to be the best in the country. And that doesn't change. It doesn't change regardless of the scoreboard the situation, the time in the game, it doesn't matter. And when you play like that, it kind of makes it where your focus is on getting better, not on stats and where you where you land. And our, our kids, you know, offense, defense, and special teams played really hard. I did not think that we had uh, the kind of special teams games we need to to affect games. Well, they did block a punt and an extra point. Mm-hmm. I've been Mazel. Do you have a question? I, I'm good. Thanks, Claude. Okay. Let's go to Dean Leggy, and then we'll come back to Pat Forty. Dash with the best two things. So First of all, Kendall's uh, fumble recovery there. It seemed like everybody just—I mean—they didn't blow the whistle, but it seemed like everybody thought it was an inter- a, uh, incompletion, and just everybody on the field stopped except Kendall, and he goes and gets it. How important was that play? And then, secondly, you know, it's been a long season already. What's this next week going to be like for y'all not having? 
Yeah, the play by Kendall might have been the play of the game because it was a momentum swing. You know, it was like one of those that, hey, if we don't get that ball, you know, everybody's, oh, we turned it over, demoralized. And to jump on it, I, I thought it was, you know, incompletion. I'm thinking, well, what, what's everybody chasing the ball for? But we, we, we talk about it all the time. If you don't know, they, they don't know. They're going to let you play. So get on it, jump on it. And he did a great job doing that. He was really good today and did a great job, always does. Um, in terms of the next week, I, I, you know, I don't know. We're going to get back to work Monday. We got a lot of things we think we can improve on. Uh, we'll put this game to bed tomorrow, and uh, we'll work on opponents for Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday that we have uh, all our upcoming opponents. And you know, we're going to just visit with the team and say, "Hey, look, you, you got to make a choice. You want to flatline, stay where you are, or you want to continue to ascend and get better." Because there is a lot of things that we can get better at, and we need to for this stretch run. And we also need to get healthy. I mean, we need to get some guys healthy. And there you go, right what we were talking about a while ago with the mistakes and the penalties. That's exactly the kind of thing he's talking about right here, and that's something they're going to be working on, like you just said, extremely hard during the next week and week, week or so. Dash, we've had a lot of conversations about the quarterback situation in the on the show so far. Uh, give us your thoughts on the Stetson Bennett. I thought he uh, mediocre first half, but that second half he just raped, uh, yeah. wrecked that place. Man, he just uh, went nuts in the seven to seven on that uh, drive to start it, and just uh, uh, wrapped it up really well with a nice little bow on top. Yeah, no, no doubt. I mean, that one drive he was three for three for sixty nine yards. Uh, and he finishes the game 14 of 20, I believe it was, for 250 and three touchdowns. I mean, what more do you want a guy to do? So he's, you know, you know, I, I still think Georgia's going to need JT Daniels to get where he wants to, to get. However, man, Stetson Bennett is, 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 is doing everything humanly possible to, uh, you know, to, to be that guy, you know, and, and uh, just the maturity he's showing, he, he's showing he's, he's a lot better quarterback than he was last year. And even some of the inc- the one incompletion he had, there was one where he was he was chased out of the pocket and uh, threw an incompletion on third down. I mean, that was a uh, maybe a time last year he would have tried to try to make a big play and throw it up yeah. and get picked. So it's plays like that. He's done a few times now over the past three weeks where he's Georgia may not have gotten the first down or, or whatnot, but he saved it, saved a turnover. And uh, as we all know, in playing quarterback, I mean managing the game of that fashion is usually important right, to have the ultimate success that you want to. Now, I was – I mean, you have different sources than I do, and people ask us about this. Like, you'll say something – you'll report something, and I'll report something different mm-hmm. because we have different sources, right. you know. Uh, it's the same with me and Ben and Trent and mm-hmm. Jed. We hear different things on the recruiting trail, you know. Mm-hmm. We have some of our guys think Georgia's in a good spot for Luther Burden. We think some of our guys are not in a good – we think Georgia's maybe not in a good spot for Luther Burden. It depends on who you talk to because we hear different things. Uh, what were you hearing about Jermaine Burton and Marcus Rosemary Jackson? Because I was told these guys are likely going to play. And I think they did, did they get, get a couple in? of reps. They got in. I mean, I, I okay. know I know, I know, Jermaine played. Uh, I did see him. I know at least one one rep. And I, and Marcus okay. Rosemary, too, got into a play or two as well. But, again, the scores are, what, 24 to, to, to 7, whatever it was. Uh, these guys were still not 100%. I mean, I know they dressed, but they, as we've seen all throughout the, the year, they will dress players for home games and not play them. So that shouldn't – I don't think it should be way too much on that because all those guys were still, you know, you know, feeling some, feeling some pain. And, and really with the week off – the bye week coming up, two weeks before Florida, you know, they got the job done today. The team did. So there's really yeah. no reason to, to put them out there and risk further injury. 
give them two weeks to get healthy, come back for this Florida game as near 100% for the team as you've been all year. I think they've got a chance to do that. Uh, I want to go back to, to talking about this Florida game. Coach John pointed this out two years – or pointed out before last year. He said, look, uh, last year before the game, he said the biggest problem with this game going into it is not being without JT Daniels. It's being without George Pickens and Jordan Davis. Mm-hmm. George Pickens is a difference maker, and he said, look, the two years that Jordan Davis played in this game, he would take that Florida center and just bend him in half and mm-hmm. come flying up the middle. That center could not block him ever. They played him in zero technique, one technique, and he just killed that center over and over again. Last year with him not being there, completely different ball game. Mm-hmm. Jordan Davis is going to be healthy for this game. You're hoping yeah. that JT Daniels is healthy for this game. And you might even have George Pickens. I don't know what his situation is going to be. I don't mm-hmm. think he's cleared yet. I've heard he's cleared. I've he's heard not he's not. Yet. I've heard not uh, all sorts of I, I won't roll it out. I won't, I yeah. won't roll it out. But, again, we're a step closer. We, we broke the news this week that for the last couple of weeks he's been dressing like the rest of the team in practice. He's still not doing football stuff. He's still mostly running. Today you actually saw him on the field. Is this the first time we've seen him on the field? Running first around? time on the field before for warm-ups actually doing some running with uh, you know the other receivers, with the other injured injured players. You're doing that for the first time. Now, yeah. is two weeks enough? Maybe not. But the fact that when I heard about his rehab early in the year, I was told do not expect him to be ready to play this year. Mm-hmm. But then we heard he had made a huge jump in his stuff, you know. And then last week they took him to Auburn. He goes to see Dr. James Andrews, uh, apparently gets a positive check out there. We're getting closer and closer. Uh, Marcus Roseby Jack Saint could be healthy. You know, he had a great game last year until he broke his ankle. Uh, we might actually in two weeks see an absolute badass football team with a bunch of healthy guys going into that game. Difference makers. Absolute yeah. difference makers. Yeah, and even if George doesn't play, you're still just like I said. These other guys, I think, are going to be healthy and ready to go. J.T. Daniels too. I mean, even those those three and three or four individuals will make this offense much more dynamic, more explosive, and and that's bad news for Florida. Yeah, I agree 100 percent there, uh, Dave. You guys will have that game. Uh, where, where are you at next week, Dave? Next week, uh, LSU Ole Miss. All right, that, that should be fun. Yeah. I have, I mean, LSU, I mean, obviously. Low scoring, Dave? Low scoring? <laughs> I, I just saw a stat a second ago. Like, Ole Miss had, like, 61 plays in the first half. Wow. I mean, I'm paying for 120 plays in a game. Georgia's, Georgia's record is 105 or something like that in a game. And they're Did Champ Bailey play all of them? Yeah. yeah he, played, he played everyone on offense, defense, and special teams. That guy was a stud. No, yeah, that was 105 offensive plays. So, yeah, he probably played a lot more. That's nuts. All right. Um, we'll probably need to wrap it up here. We've been going on for about, a, about two hours, 10 minutes. So we do appreciate everybody that's tuned in. You have hundreds of people watching the show. Uh, but I need to go get dinner. So I'm going to wrap it up here. Uh, ben, give me your final thoughts on this game. Anything, anything that you've been thinking about? Anything you want to get out there before we uh, kind of wrap it up here? I think that this game's going to make Georgia better because of the physicality part of it. I think that this yeah. is the most physical football team up front you're going to play all year outside of on the defensive line, maybe Clemson on the offensive line. This is definitely the best offensive line you're going to play. And that may even include Alabama. So I think going forward to see Georgia match and even exceed the physicality of, of Kentucky, 
I think they should feel really well. Also, the fact that they're actually helped, you know, didn't get injured this year against yes, them right. going into a bye. I feel really confident that going into Florida, they should have some confidence brewing and get some players back. So much more positive light this year facing Florida than last year going in. Yeah. Dave, you work, you, were you the truck or you on the field? I'm, Where were you? I'm not sure. I'm on, once, once the game starts, I mean, one of my jobs is to release the team on the field. And right, that's what Georgia is Georgia's one of the worst schools in terms of getting from the field into the TV trucks in under three minutes. And I, I, I was never, Roddy could um, vouch for this. I was never a fast person. I'm not, I'm, I'm you slower turn than a main double before. play though. I'll give you that. I'm, I'm, I'm slower than I've ever been before. Um, four, two, 40. Four, two, yeah, that's exactly right. It's um, four hours and two minutes in a, in a, in a 40 yard dash. Um, <laughs> but yeah, my, I, I, you mentioned a million times about Stetson Bennett wise. I mean, he was five for 10 in the first half, nine for 10 in the second half. He, he had time in that first half and he was missing throws. He had time in the second half and he was making throws. Yeah. So, I mean, hats off to him. Um, but who knows if he plays next, next game, you never know. I kind of want him to not, I mean, I want JT Daniels cause you need to beat Florida again. I, Dash has covered these games and we'll get to him in a second uh, where Georgia has taken the better team into Jacksonville and lost. And you could say it's uh, just old man nervousness on my part. But yeah, it is. When you've lost, when you're a team that has nothing to lose because you've already lost three times, sometimes you just want to play spoiler against an arch rival, you know, and uh, you play dirty, you play, you, you have some stuff go crazy. But I would like to see JT Daniels in that game to show that he can throw against Florida, which he was doing really well until they threw him on his shoulder and busted his shoulder up. So even if he doesn't play the whole game, I would like to see him get in there and throw another touchdown against the Gators. Maybe it's in garbage time when you're up by a big lead, but I kind of want him and Marcus Roseby, Jack Saint to both play in that game to as kind of a, I'll say revenge, but just kind of karma. Hey, you got hurt last year. Now you're in Jacksonville stadium, you know, and you're healthy. Rod, Roddy, I was going to bring something up real quick point. I'm shocked we didn't talk about this was Keely Ringo's mother with the spike oh, squad. That was very nice. And we haven't talked about it. That was awesome. That was awesome to see her with the spike squad cheering on. And I think I saw her after Keely got the sack. She was going crazy. I think that was awesome. That was a great moment. I, I, we didn't bring that up. So just remember. And shout out to Patrick Garvin. You can go to UJSports.com and read a story where we interviewed Ke- uh, Traley Hale. And we talked with her and uh, the folks at Bulldogs Battling Breast Cancer. You can read that story at UGASports.com. You can also read all of Anthony Dasher's content. He's got news and notes. This is uh, usually our number one read story uh, pretty much every day of the week. Uh, Dash, uh, you, you are a by-the-book, unbiased journalist, but you also you know you have your opinions. You'll have a dashboard for us to read tomorrow at some point. Um, but kind of give us your thoughts, your closing thoughts on this game. Uh I was very impressed by Georgia. I mean, it really was. Uh, uh, the way they answered the Kentucky's physicality is, you know, we've been mentioning here tonight, this is maybe the most physical team they face, you know, the rest of the year until perhaps they play Alabama. So uh, I, I think they did everything necessary they needed to win. Uh, and, and like I say, Kentucky's very good. I mean, I, I won't be shocked to all see them go 11-1 and one and, and, you know, look back at this Georgia game and feel pretty good. I think, you know, even though the score may not indicate – Feel pretty good about you know what what they did, but uh you know, but again that just, just shows how perfect teams are having to play now to to have a chance to beat this this bulldog team, and and uh, I fully expect this defense to continue doing what it's doing. 
the offense, uh, again, just needs to stay consistent. I mean, get JT Daniels back, I think it will. Again, I think it will be important he gets back and gets healthy and, and helps him become an even, even, even you know, better offense. And again, nothing, take nothing away from Stetson Bennett. He has yeah. done a hell of a job this year and deserves all the playing time accolades he can get. But uh, I think JT will, will, will help make him even better. Come take, take the two, and, and um, you're going to have something really good working. I mean, worst-case scenario, you have two good quarterbacks. Just like you, yeah. it's good to have it's good to have Broderick Jones in there playing left tackle yeah, if you need yeah. to. You know, yeah. you yeah. want depth. This is a team that's absolutely beat all to hell. You know, and the more guys you can get back, you want to make a title run. You want to stay number one. Mm-hmm. Get back JT Daniels. Get back George Pickens. Get back uh, uh, Jermaine Burton. Get back Marcus Rosemey Jack Saint. Get back Chris. You know, get back your starting safety. That's not mm-hmm. a shot against Dan Jackson. He's he's. No, no problems there, but getting Chris back would be big as well. So, anyway, uh, sorry, Dave, do you have a point? Hey, no, I also want to do one more quick shout out. Um, I know a lot of people like the fact um, that the piece that me and um, Patrick Garbin did a few weeks ago with Auburn, we're talking with a former player in that UJ Sports Rewind. We should have one with Florida coming up uh, with a Florida Rewind with a former player and talk about that. So that's going to be coming oh, up. That's a great thing. Weeks. I love you guys sitting down with Brandon Tolbert going over the we have different player from Florida and you'll like it as much. That's, that's just all. Cause basically they go through the whole game and they tell you all the stuff that happened behind the scenes that you've never seen before. You've never heard before. But it from is, a player's point of view, not yeah. from like, you know, things. Are, so that's what I like. Yeah. And you know, when you, uh, it, it's just, it's a great piece. You got to check it out. Yeah. All right, guys, we appreciate it. I know, Dash, you got to get back to work. I need to yep. go back and edit some stories. Ben's got to, uh, well, Ben's got to go back to the basement, I guess. We don't really let him do anything. We put him pizza, back in the closet. Pizza. Yep. Pizza, he's got to eat, and Dave's got to go yeah. back. Well, no, yeah, Dave's got to sleep in a hotel no, I, I, five I minutes from his house. I got to finish the story first. You you, you have to make yeah, me no, finish the story uh, first. Dave does, he's our stat guy. He's a statistician. He, works, he does stats for They did no trivia. Like, that, that defeats Dave's point. Like Dave knows, I enjoyed my trivia. And he didn't even bring up a trivia question today. So disappointing. He brings right, up great uh, stuff, and he actually does by the numbers, which should be very interesting this week. It's always great stuff, and uh, be sure to share all this. We'd really appreciate it. And hit some, hit the subscribe button. It would mean a lot to us. Uh, we're trying to get to twenty thousand subscribers. We broke eighteen thousand this week because you folks were really good. We're trying to get to twenty. Help us out. All right, you guys, take care, and thanks everybody for joining the show.